This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Big sales! Welcome aboard. 36 days to the start of training camp. How you doing? 36 days to July 27th. Dude, you better be ready to rock and roll. We are absolutely packed. We're going to veer off the page a little bit, too. Hour number three, a Philadelphia sports legend. Kurt Schilling is going to join us at 5.30 Eastern time. I love catching up with my friend. He, I'll tell you what, man. Hey, listen, I don't always agree with Kurt Schilling's political views. But what I do love about certain people, if you have a view on something and you have conviction on something, I love that. I don't have to agree with you. But I do love people that have conviction. And his convictions are keeping him out of the Hall of Fame. That's right, JM. He's unapologetic, man. And by the way, he loved being a Philly. He just loved pitching in Philadelphia. Can you imagine this? Kurt Schilling, I know he pitched in Arizona too, won a World Series and a World Series MVP along with Randy Johnson. So you pitched in Boston and in Philly. Can you have an any more tougher fan base than that? Dude, you got to show up every fourth day and you got to give the goods, don't you, man? Because no matter what you did in your past, no one gives a shit. That's why we love Kurt Schilling, man. He's a champion. And that's why we'll have him on hour number three at 5.30 Eastern time. All right. Hey, I I got a chance to watch Real Sports with Brian Gumbel last night. And I was really glad that the interview went out. I thought Andrea Kramer completely went overboard on the um, interview a little bit, but that's okay because that's kind of what they have to do. Like Leslie Stahl going in on Trump or something, saying that the laptop or this and that has not been proven, and then get this, you don't really have all the facts. I actually talked to the district attorney. I've actually talked to people that were pressing charges initially against him. And when they dropped all charges and all accusations against Matt Arisa, I was like, wow, he's been totally vindicated. And let me ask you something. You know, it's easy to say that Matt Arisa has been um, um, exonerated, but there's also a civil case out there. He's being sued for 50 grand. 50 grand? And he refuses to settle. He, he said he has the money. He's, he's not, because that's an admission of guilt. He is not, they wanted to settle for $50,000. 50 grand doesn't even cover your court cost. If you're bringing charges against Matt Ariza, 50 grand is all you're going after? 
you don't have a case. Hey, and by the way, let me underscore this. That is such a sad situation, and I'm sorry for both sides. I'm more sorry for the girl side, too, because I'm not going to say anything negative towards her because what an ugly situation, man. My God almighty. Being her father right now, man, I, I, I wouldn't know what to do. And I feel for her. Man, do I. But I don't think that matter is it should be the expense or collateral damage of something that people are saying he had nothing to do with. That's not fair. That's not fair to drag a kid's name into something. Okay? It's not fair. The Jets said they'll have no problem. Here's what I see. I could see a team putting Matt Ariza on their practice squad. I could see someone signing him. Get this. I know The Rock has cleared him next year if he wants to play in the XFL. To punt in the XFL. He's been cleared. So in 2024, when the XFL kicks up next year, he can punt for them. And they've cleared him. So it's starting to see a glimmer of hope that maybe he gets an opportunity. And you know what? I got to throw something out to the guys at Crossing Broad. Kevin Kincaid, is that his name? Sent me a text and he goes, here you go. And so he, he sent me a tweet, actually, I should say. And I'm glad to see that, you know, he's staying on top of this case, too, because he was kind of anti-Matarizza until now some of the facts have started coming out. By the way, I don't believe he's wrong either because I was against Matarizza when the facts started first coming out. Or... The accusation started coming out. Okay? I, I, I said the same thing. So I, I, he's not wrong. We all jump to conclusions always. Oh, because today we're in a society where facts don't matter. Hollering the loudest and being first is the only thing that matters in sports broadcasting today. That's the only thing that seemingly matters. Like I said, we got to talk. Dude. I can't tell you. We got some college news. We have some. I guess I said Kurt Schilling. Top 10 wide receivers. I saw PFF since you guys love those guys so much. The big sills, top 10 wideouts in the NFL, my opinion. And also, we're going to look because somebody brought this up yesterday, 49ers and Cowboys. I want to show you something before we get going here into the topics. This is incredible. Who do you guys think? No, I'm not going to go this way. I'm just going to tell you. Since 2000, I want to show you the dominance of certain teams in the National Football League compared to others. Since 2000, the most NFL playoff wins. Number one. Patriots, 30. Number two, tied with the Ravens, the Philadelphia Eagles. Number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 15. By the way, Eagles 16, Ravens 16. Number four, the Green Bay Packers and the Seahawks are at 14. These are teams that have the most playoff wins since 2000. Number five, the Colts at 13. 
Number six, the Chiefs and the 49ers. Number 11, the Giants. Number eight, the Saints and the Rams. These are teams with the most playoff wins since 2000. Number nine, Panthers and Buccaneers at eight. Number 10, the Browns, or excuse me, Broncos at seven. Number 11, the Falcons, six, the Jets, the Jets, six. Number 12, the Titans, five, the Vikings, five, the Bengals, five, the Chargers, five. The stupid-ass Arizona Cardinals. Five. These are teams with the most wins in the playoffs since 2000. 13. The Dallas Cowboys at four. The Dallas Cowboys have had four wins Since 2000, over 23 years, the Dallas Cowboys have only four playoff wins. Tied with the Texans, the Raiders, the Bills. This is incredible. The Jags. Here's who the Cowboys are on the same level with Postseason-wise, since 2000, the Texans, the Raiders, the Bills, and the Jags. Bears with three, Washington one, Miami one, I'm shocked. Cleveland one, and of course the Lions have no playoff wins since 2000. Why do we sit here every year and beat the drum of the Dallas Cowboys? What in the world do we sit here and constantly go down that lane that the Cowboys are going to be competitive again? Four wins. The Eagles have 16. Shit, let me add this up. The Eagles have 16 wins since 2000. Let's see here. Giants, 11. Cowboys, 4. Washington, 1. So let me get this right. Combined, the Eagles have as many playoff wins as the Giants, the Cowboys, and Washington have combined. That is unbelievable dominance. The Philadelphia Eagles own the NFC East. They may not have 
pulled back-to-back NFC East titles? Like, since, what is that, 2004? They own the East. They own it. No team in that division has had the success that the Philadelphia Eagles have had. I get the Eli Super Bowls, understand it. But maybe what we should make more, we put in a denim on what I just said. The consistent, elite dominance of that division resides in Philly. And yet the media looks at you guys like you're the, always the underdog. The Cowboys have four wins. It's an absolute shit show. Here, get this. The Cardinals, the Arizona stupid-ass Mike Bidwell Cardinals have more playoff wins. More playoff wins than the Cowboys. The Jets! And I ripped the Jets because of Fireman Ed. Dude, I saw this this morning. I couldn't believe it. Don't ever tell them, hey, the Dallas Cowboys are the NFL's version of Notre Dame. They're the most overhyped team in professional sports in America. The Dallas Cowboys are the most overhyped team in American sports history, maybe. Dude, their best years are in the rearview mirror. You're trying to tell me they're Super Bowl contenders this year? How? And once they get to the playoffs, they're going to be cowboy, cowboy. They're just going to be normal. Dude, get this. This is not really to shit on the cowboys. This is to just shit on the media for pubbing these guys. What has Dallas done to raise the value of that football team? To make it sound like they're the Patriots. This is crazy. Dude, the Ravens and the Eagles are the most underappreciated football franchises that we have in the NFL. Ravens and Eagles, 16. Of course, the Steelers, too, because they're always the gold standard. They got four wins. I, I, I had to open with that. I, 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 had, I had to open with that because here we are again. We're like 36 days away from the start of camp. And all I hear Cowboy fans sending me tweets and sending me comments and people going like this, Cowboys are going to win the East. So what if they do? What does that mean? They're like the Joel Embiid of the regular season. The Cowboys are Joel Embiid. Oh, we won the East. Our season's over. What about winning the Super Bowl? Fuck it. Ain't about that. It's about 17 weeks. In, dude, 17 weeks for the Cowboys are more important than the Super Bowl in the postseason. Okay, go and, hey, look at Jalen, going too far. Don't ever tell me the Dallas Cowboys are a true contender. Okay, this is, they're not. They are not. 
They are not in the room. Big Seals, did you know Eagles and Steelers? Yes, I did back in the wartime. Steagles. Speed, thank you, man. Of course you know that. Dude, just being real. Right, James. This is just this is just being realistic. Because again, here, here here's what I'm doing. This is not, you want to hear this? This is not an opinion since 2000 that the Dallas Cowboys only have four playoff wins. That's not an opinion. That has nothing to do with an opinion. Man. <laughs> and here we are again. Here we are again. Okay? People saying the Cowboys are going to win the East. They got a good team. And we're going to take a look at all that here in a minute. But come on, man. You got to start stepping up there. Jerry Jones. Let me think about this. So when Jimmy was at the Cowboys, I think he was five and two. Coach Johnson in five years, I think someone can correct me on this. Someone can correct me on this. But I think Jimmy in Dallas, I want to say, well, shit, he had to go undefeated in the playoffs two years in a row. So that's six wins. Dude, Jimmy had to be like six and two in Dallas in five years. Had to be maybe seven and two, something nutty like that. And Jerry in the last 23 years, going into 23 years, has won four playoff games since Johnson left. Man. Anytime you, hey, do me a favor. Anytime you hear anybody touting Dallas Cowboys as Super Bowl contenders, Bring that stat up. Why would you, why would I believe you're going to do anything? Why would I believe you're going to do anything? You haven't. This is going to be the different year. Crazy. All right. I'm going to do something today to kind of push my point across the table here. And I want to do something here. First and foremost, maybe I uh, maybe I should start this off a little bit lighter because the, I got two Jalen Hurts topics. Um, let me do this here because somebody brought this up on the program over the last couple of days, and I oh it was Gary Cobb, Gary Cobb when he was on the other day with us that he said that he thought that Jalen Hurts was ahead of Randall Cunningham. So what I did was I didn't use Jaws because Jaws was first initially drafted by the Dolphins. No, Rams. Was it Dolphins or Rams? I forget. One of those two. Jaworski was not initially an Eagle. He came over to the Eagles. He had already been at another team. Was it the Dolphins? Maybe Jaworski was a Dolphin. And then he went to the Rams later in his career. It's something like that. I think it, I think that's how it worked. Okay? So I picked guys that the Eagles have drafted since Randall Cunningham. Okay? Here's Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts so far in his three years. These are, these are three years so far. Three years starts. Jalen Hurts, 
1,040 attempts, 648 completions, 62.3 percentage completion, 7906, 44 touchdowns, and 19 picks. That's not bad. It's not bad. Especially, again, I didn't put in the running component here. Okay? And I get there's more to the kid, just like there is more to Randall. And to some extent, McNabb. So I didn't put the running component in here. Just the passing. Here's Randall Cunningham in his first three years in Philly. 696, 368 completions, 51.3 completion percentage. Jalen kills him here. 47-25, 32 touchdowns and 28 picks. Hurts clearly has a better start, like Gary said, and where he is right now in his career than what Randall Cunningham. Now, Jalen's getting better coaching. I got all that. I'm, I'm just throwing some stats out at you here. And then we're going to debate something here in a minute. Here's McNabb. In his first three years starting in Philly, 1378, 721 completions, 56.9 percentage and completion percentage. Jalen's thrown for more yards in his first three years than what McNabb has done. I found that shocking, 75-46. Not by a lot. But Jalen Hurts has thrown for more passing yards than what McNabb did in his first three years as an Eagle quarterback. That's pretty impressive. I'll tell you, I was shocked with that number. I was shocked. McNabb has 10 more touchdowns at 54, but here's something to keep an eyeball on. He had 32 turnovers, INTs. Jalen had 19. I don't know. If I were to look at that, I would say Jalen Hurts has had a better three-year start to his career than what McNabb has had. And McNabb had two years in a row where he won 11 games in his first three years. Jalen Hurts has had a better start to his career than Donovan McNabb and Randall Cunningham. I actually, this is, this is a positive for him. I'm actually shocked. Randall throwing the ball more has more completions, wasn't like he wasn't winning his first three years, and actually he became a starter sooner. And yet he's thrown for less yards. Dude, Jalen Hurts is not really a a prototypical passer, and he's thrown more yards than what I would consider a prolific passer in McNabb. When you guys said, Sills, he's going to pass McNabb one day as the all-time leading yardage guy in passing yards, you might be right. You might be right. Again, the turnovers. Hey, I get the 54 touchdowns to 44 touchdowns. I get that. But the picks is what bugs me. So Jalen's thrown for 10 less touchdowns. McNabb threw 32 interceptions in his first three years. 
okay? And Hurts threw 19. I'll take Jalen Hurts' touchdown interception ratio over McNabb's any day. Okay? I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Okay? James, I, I, I know JM constantly likes to bring up the Burt Bell Award, but now we're going to go to another Burt Bell winner. He always excludes this. Here's Carson Wentz now. 1548 attempts, 923 completions, 64.1% completion percentage, 10,153 passing yards, 70 touchdowns, and 28 picks. Carson Wentz has had by far a superior start to his career than what Jalen Hurts has had. Superior. Okay? And because JM likes to bring up the Burt Bell MVP award, Carson Wentz has also won that in 2017. And he did that in his first three years too. So he's got, if you're going to count that for Jalen, you count it for Wentz. He's also an MVP. And he finished second in the other MVP. So personally, Wentz has got no, Wentz has had a better start to his career than what Hurts has had. Now, again, to be fair to Jalen, to be fair to Jalen, there's a running component here. You just can't dismiss 11 rushing touchdowns and almost 800 yards. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. So, passing-wise, I said he's had a better start. So, if you put Jalen's rushing the last two years into it, I would have to say it's a toss-up on who's had a better start to their career three years. I think it's a toss-up. But to see where Jalen Hurts is right now, Jalen Hurts has a chance to being better than every single one of these quarterbacks. I'm actually shocked. I'm actually shocked. Got to tell you, I'm shocked. Good. Hey, good for her. Good. Hey, this is not... This is not a rip because, again, remember what we talk about Patrick Mahomes being a passer and he can't do the things that Jalen can do and Jalen can't do the things that Patrick Mahomes can do, okay? There's no, there, there's no shade anywhere in this. There's no throwing shade anywhere, okay? No shade. That's why I think it's a toss-up. And there was a Super Bowl for Wentz and a win. Well, he he didn't play in the play. I, I get it. And Jalen didn't doesn't own a ring. Okay. All I'm saying is this is a coin flip. I think it's a coin flip. That's why I tell you, 2023 is going to tell us a lot more about Hurts. But Jalen Hurts is at in a position right now where Carson Wentz was a couple years ago and Jalen Hurts could become the all-time Philadelphia Eagle passer. And again, I didn't put Jaws in this because he wasn't a homegrown guy and no disrespect to Jaws. He's also a Burt Bell MVP winner. No disrespect to Jaws at all. At all. Okay. 
at all. This is actually an eye-opener for me. I would never have said that Jalen Hurts had more passing yards in his first three years than McNabb. No way. No way. I don't look at him like that. Now I do. You know, the more you look at things, plus he's 23 and 11. Now, again, McNabb had two 11-win seasons in his first three years as well. Wasn't like he wasn't winning ball games. He was. Pretty impressive, though. Now, does Jalen have – look, I'm not debating who's got more talent, better coaching. Andy Reid was also the coach on that team with McNabb. So when you say he didn't have the wide receivers, I'll take Andy Reid over an A-plus wide receiver because we've shown you can win Super Bowls without A-plus wide receivers. If you got a great play caller and a great quarterback, you can win a ton of games. And that's what the Eagles did back in the Reid era. So, again, not debating any of that. Okay? Debo goes, Dan, weren't you criticizing him yesterday? Now, you haven't let me continue. Why don't you sit back and have a meal, Debo? And I told you that I'm getting to another topic here. Jesus Christ. Listen to the full conversation, bro. Okay? Let it come out. You know, don't hear just 5% of what you want to hear. Now let's get into why and if Jalen Hurts. All good, Debo. (laughs) Hey, man. All good, brother. All good. Here. Now let's get into this. Why do other people? Social media has created this lack of patience. (laughs) Hey. And so, hey, you know what, Tone? I don't. I have the attention span of a gnat myself. So, Debo, excuse me too, because my attention span is like a gnat, and I'm with you again. I I don't really sit around and have patience either. Okay, so that's a little bit on me too. But here, here, here's where I'm going with my topic now. Here's why the national media would never pick Jalen Hurts over any of those other quarterbacks and why PFF doesn't rank Hurts above guys like Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. Okay? All the things that I have said I have said in my open, here's why they don't see Hurts in the same... They don't see him under the same microscope that they see those other guys. What do you think the difference is between those other guys, like the Trevor Lawrences, the Josh Allens, the Joe Burrows, the Justin Herberts, that makes the national people look at those guys as more of a player that they build their franchise around? Why, why do you think they do that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you here in a second. Okay, why do you think they look at those other guys in a different way compared to when you look at Burrow, Allen, Lawrence? Why do you think they look at those guys differently? When Tua replaced him? A little bit of that. Matthew, probably there's some of that too, Matthew. You're not wrong. 
he's not a prototypical passer like those guys. He's going to go out there and throw 39 times a game. He's not going to do that because he doesn't have to. Not a first-round pick. These are all great points. Okay? Thank you, Debo. More of a man than me. Okay? All All those things you guys just said are great. What separates those other guys? I'm going to show you here. Where's that list? The Eagles, since 2000, are the second most successful team in the National Football League to the Patriots. Okay? He's the second. They're the second most successful. Joe Burrow turned the Bengals around. The Bengals. What were the Bills before Allen showed up? What were the Chargers before Herbert showed up? What were the Jags before Lawrence showed up? These are all horrible organizations. Jalen Hurts rolled into one of the best organizations in the National Football League. He didn't have to turn a culture around. He didn't have to turn a losing mentality around. It was already set. Those guys went into places and changed the culture. I never would ever have said this in my life. That's a good point, Stoney. I don't really, I don't know if the, if the Chargers have changed that much since Phillip Rivers, where they are now with Herbert. I don't, but at least it makes them a playoff contender. Yeah, you're right. I'll take Justin Herbert out of that. Because the culture in Los Angeles with the Chargers, it's been that way for 40 years. So you're probably right. The Jags, the Bengals, the Bills. These are all horrible franchises. That's why they look at those guys differently. They changed the Bengals' culture around. Even Trevor Lawrence is changing the culture around. That's why they look at them different. Their greatness as being a quarterback, Jalen didn't have to do any of that. He rolled right into it. Loaded team, winning franchise. That's why you look at him as the lesser of those other guys. You look at him as the lesser. Now, the Eagles, what they've done here is they've pushed their chips in on one season with him because they think he's the guy that can win the NFC. Okay. I happen to think it doesn't take much to win the NFC. Now, again, this is not an Eagle thing. You you arguably have three teams in the NFC this year that could win. I don't think you really have any team outside of the Niners and the Eagles that could win the Super Bowl. I don't think, get this, I don't think there's an NFC team right now outside of Eagles and 49ers that could win this thing. 
I think the AFC, I think they probably got eight teams that can win it. It's going to be interesting to see what the Jets are about. I think the Jags, I think the Jags are better than Seattle and Dallas. And that's the seventh team in the AFC. As I pointed out to you the other day, I think one of the reasons that Russell Wilson struggled going to Denver, hey, he got into the big boy league. He moved up to, uh, he moved up to the varsity level because he'd been playing in the JV level for the last three years. The NFC is in the now again, it all goes in cycles. And like I've told you this before, this is not a Jalen Hurts or a Philadelphia Eagle issue. The Eagles can't help. But I want to show you this too. Look at how many NFC teams. Look at how many NFC teams since 2013. Okay. Let me see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Here. Here's 10. Look how many NFC teams are in this thing here in the top 10. And the most wins since 2013. Eagles at 16. Packers. See, Packers. Remember, Seahawks wore a little bit in the AFC in the early 2000s. Then they changed conferences with realignment. Okay? So if you take those out of there, they're down at the they're down a little outside the top 10. Colts. Here, here. Eagles, 49ers, and Giants. Seven teams in the top 10 are AFC teams. It's not like the NFC has been great the last 23 years. It hasn't. Question, Sills, Tone. It is truly a bad NFC, or is it an overly exceptional AFC? Has the AFC ever been this deep with Super Bowl contenders? In the salary cap era, probably not. But back in the day when you had the Raiders and you had the Chiefs and the Dolphins, um, the Chargers, it was... It, it, it was, it was pretty deep then when you didn't have a lot of movement because of free agency. However, since salary cap, here's the problem, though, okay? In the AFC, they pay for quarterbacks. In the NFC, they don't have any quarterbacks, so they got better rosters. I think Seattle's got a great roster. 49ers and the Eagles might have the best rosters in the league. You think there's really any team in the AFC that's got better rosters than San Francisco? And Philadelphia, is there a team in the AFC that has a better roster? It doesn't matter, though, once you get to the Super Bowl, when you take on one of those elite quarterbacks. Where would you rank the Eagles in the AFC? Still second behind the Chiefs. I would still rank the Eagles second behind the Chiefs. Now, now, if you're asking me who's got a better roster right now, Kansas City or Philly, I think Philadelphia has a better roster. 
But what you can't do is you haven't shown anything, especially in this offseason, that you've done one thing to upgrade your position to beat Patrick Mahomes. There's not one thing you've done to beat that guy. We brought this up yesterday. You've done nothing to improve your situation to beat Mahomes. He's beaten you two years in a row. You're going to have a shot at him. Once again, coming up here this year at Arrowhead, you have done nothing to improve your chances. On beating, he beat you last year. And you had the better team. I keep emphasizing that. So what is it better to have? Is it better to have a great roster and a really, really, really great quarterback? Or, like here, I'll say this to you. Bengals in the Super Bowl versus the Eagles? That'd be another great game. That'd be another great game. I'll tell you this. Eagles versus... Here, here, here's how I look at your Eagles versus the elite teams. Um, Eagles versus Bengals. That'd be a great game. I'd like to see that because I think the Bengals have a better defense than you. I do. I think they got a better defense. They play against elite quarterbacks every weekend. You don't. You do not. And they've been to two AFC championship games in a row. It's not like they haven't won. Eagles versus the Bills. Here's why I think you would beat the Bills. Because I think Allen would do something in the second half of a football game that would cost him. And Jalen, I know, he dropped the ball in the Super Bowl, scoop and score, I got it. But I think there's a lesser chance of Jalen Hurts doing that again in a big game like that than Allen dropping the ball on his own goal line. So I think they would beat the Bills late. You guys already took care of the Jags a year ago. It was early in the season. Then the Jags got on. They're a better team than they were at the beginning of the season. We've seen this numerous times where teams have played teams before. Like, you know, that year that the Patriots were undefeated. You know the Patriots beat the Giants the last game of the year. And then once they got to the Super Bowl, the Giants beat them in the Super Bowl. Um, so they're, they're better, but I would still give, I would still give the edge to the Eagles in that game. Chargers, Herbert does the same stuff that, um, that, that Allen does. He'll put one out there for you. And if you're able to capitalize, the Eagles capitalize on that stuff on turnovers. I think they would capitalize on that. So I think you're still better than the Chargers, too. I do. I think you're still better than the Chargers. Okay? So Eagles and Ravens speed. I think the I think the I think the Ravens are getting better on defense. But I I, I still want to see what Odell Beckham is going to bring to that Raven offense. I, hey, I, I don't know he's going to play a full season. I just don't know if he's capable of being able to play a full season. I have no way. For the last five years, that guy's been injured. Okay? For the last five years. And I'm going to sit here and believe that that guy is going to be in a position. Cleveland's good. I'm with you. Really good O-line. Really great defense. Awesome front four. 
I like their corners. They're good at linebacker. Another good team, but go do it. See, that's the depth of the AFC, though. We don't even talk about Deshaun Watson yet because we got to see. He kind of got like a redshirt year last year. And Deshaun, hey, Deshaun Watson could elevate that Cleveland. I haven't even mentioned the Jets. What are the Jets going to look like? How good are the Jets? Dude, the Jets have to be the biggest question mark in the NFL this year. What's that thing going to look like? Is Aaron Rodgers going to look like he did two years ago when he was the MVP? Or is he going to look a little bit more like two years ago and a little bit of last year? Where we start to see the decline. I know many of you think that Brady sucked last year. He didn't. He was spectacular. His old line was terrible and his defense was decimated. And they couldn't overcome all those injuries. Brady had a great year last year. There wasn't a statistic last year that Jalen Hurts had passing the ball that Tom Brady wasn't 10 times better than him at because he threw the ball almost 800 times. I mean, he had to throw the ball. Brady had a great year. It was just a bad team. Still three years in a row playoff run, though. Again, I'm not going to go back into the numbers and shit because I've already pointed that out. And, I, and I'm with you, Rock. Rock goes like this. Odell won't make it to week five. Bro, I'm, I, I might be there with you. I'm, I, I might be there with you. JM brings up a great point about the Jets. You know, the, the Jets people and all the media, my boy Craig Carton keeps pushing this on me. Sales Jets are it. I said, what about your old line, man? It's, it's rated one of the worst old lines in the NFL. What about your left tackle, dude? Hey, you got a good defense. I think your defense is maybe the second best defense in the NFL personnel-wise. But what about that old line of yours, man? Dude, you got a you got a $60 million quarterback and a six-cent old line. Okay? I mean, what are you going to do about that old line of yours? And you might want to get Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook. So, again, I think that... I think the reason you look at Jalen Hurts a little there, Jalen didn't have to change a culture around. Culture was already set here. And that's why the Eagles, hey, let me say this to you. When you bring a guy like A.J. Brown in, who was coached by Mike Vrabel, and he fits right in like that, Mike Vrabel has a culture in Tennessee too that's kind of like a Belichick culture. That's another reason why he fit right in. But then when you get guys like Devontae Smith that are professional, and I'll say it one more time to you. Somebody somebody texted me yesterday, and they go, I can't believe – somebody that I that I admire at the NovaCare Center texted me, and they went, that was one of the best takes. Three coaches came to me and told me that you said this. Three Eagle coaches came to my friend who's at the NovaCare Center and said this. They were shocked, and they they agreed. I think A.J. Brown learned more from Devontae Smith a year ago than anything that A.J. Brown could have brought to Devontae. Devontae's a better worker. He works harder. He doesn't bitch. He's a professional consistently. He's a prototypical. He is Jalen Hurts at the wide receiver position. Of, of, of the people you have, I'll tell you this, man. That's a pro. In just his second year, he's a pro. The way he does business. And 
He didn't cry about not getting a catch in game one of the season. Dude, I know that I'm giving him slaps on the back for something that's not a big deal. But in today's NFL, that is a big deal. How many times do you see wide receivers crying when they win games and they get limited touches? You see these guys crying all the time. Man, I need need to target me more. We won. I I know, but we need – dude, get your bank out. That's – dude, Jalen Hurts acts like Devontae Smith, and Devontae Smith acts like Jalen Hurts. Guys who don't open their faces, do their job, and go to work. That's Belichick and Saban in their ear and in the way that they produce and in the way that they prepare. Just shut up and go to work. Put the work in, go out, and everything will fall in place. Devontae Smith has done a lot. Hey, by the way, Devontae benefited having A.J. out there because of the physicality that he is when he catches the ball. I'm not saying he hasn't. But when it comes to preparation and being a pro, Devontae Smith brought more to A.J. Brown. I don't see A.J. Brown being – A.J. Brown goes, I got to be a better wide receiver. Shit, man, you know what Devontae Smith has to work on? Devontae Smith has to work on going to White Castle. Go to White Castle. Eat a pizza. Okay? That's the only thing he's got to work on. Eating a pizza. <laughs> what, what, what does A.J. Brown have to work on? Yeah, when the play's not front side to you. You know, make sure that you're, you're engaged in the play. What, what would be the advice that you give Devontae Smith? Go eat a pizza. <laughs> yeah, go, go have a hoagie. Seriously, go, go eat a cheesesteak. Have two of them on me. I'll buy them. Dude, that's not really coaching. Just go eat a cheesesteak. <laughs> Yay! Tone goes like this. Smith needs a little Similac. No, he didn't say that. I, I threw, He needs a milkshake. <laughs> yeah. ah. oh, hey, hey. Oh, he does, man. Dude, just go have a cheesesteak. She's taking a Coke. That's my advice for Devontae and his preparation for the upcoming season. Dude, the kid's a pro, man. He's very impressive. He's an impressive young man. We're going to look at – you guys wanted me to look at the 49ers schedule. We're going to do that here in a second. Okay? Speed, big seals, gabagool. Ben says Devontae Smith will be out of Philly in four year, four or five years. No, AJ will. They're not getting rid of that guy. Absolutely not. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay AJ Brown twenty million dollars in four years. I'm going to pay that kid on the other side twenty million. That's who I'm giving my money to. Yeah, because right now, the contract that AJ Brown has, that'll be Devontae Smith's contract in about three years. That'll be that'll be his. Okay. We're gonna do this now. So so do you guys see where I'm coming from a little bit here when it comes to how people look at Jalen? Jalen didn't have to turn 
Jalen didn't have to turn a culture around like those other quarterbacks in the NFL have. I, hey, how many people, why don't you give Joe Burrow credit for turning that place into a winner? You think that's a, that's not a big deal? What were the Buffalo Bills before Josh Allen showed up? I missed it. Trevor Lawrence won a playoff game. And now you're the favorite to win that division again. Dude, the Jags are coming. It would not shock me if the Jaguars are one of the top three teams in the NFL this year. Would it? With Doug Peterson down there and all the talent that they've acquired over the last five years, would it shock you if the Jags were not one of the top three teams or top five teams in the NFL? I don't know, man. There's a lot of talent down there. A lot of talent in Jacksonville. And now you got a talented head coach. They haven't had a coach like him in that building since Tom Coughlin. Okay, so who has the best linebacker core? I want to say San Francisco. I think the Jets are pretty good. Broncos have a pretty good group. All right, let me get to the 49ers here. How you doing? Yeah. Still imagine Burrow on the Eagles. Good night, man. Jesus criminy. No, no disrespect to Jalen, but Burrow on the Eagles, man. If you like, how about this? If you like passing yards, Burrow on the Eagles would be a freak show. Would be a freak show. Dude, even Justin Herbert on the Eagles. Again, no. But here's the here here here's why. And I know people are going like this. Are you throwing shade on Jalen? No, but here's something that, and I, and I tone everyone. I think this is what everyone doesn't get what hurts and why hurts does things differently. Would Justin Herbert and would Trevor Lawrence and would Joe Burrow maximize the run game like Jalen does? My my answer is no. Dan Marino never wanted to maximize a run game because he fell in love with his arm so much that they never truly maximized the run game. The Eagles maximize the strength of the team consistently. That's running the ball. You know, when you get a guy like here, here, when you get a guy like Joe Burrow on the Eagles, yeah, he's going to throw for a ton of yards. But there's going to be an expense, and you're going to have to compromise something. What's that? Not running the ball as effectively or as much. Okay? So what you become is finesse. And it takes the physicality away from your approach and how you go after teams. The Eagles, what, hey, are the Eagles more physical than the, than, than the Bengals? Yes. Are the Eagles more physical than the um, Bills? Yes. Are they more physical than the Chiefs? Yes. Okay? See, when you throw the ball 50, 60 times, something has to have a counter to that. Well, that means you're not running the ball at all. 
Why would you want a quarterback in Philadelphia? And again, I love Joe Burrow, but why would you want a quarterback in Philadelphia that doesn't maximize the strength of the team so that he can go and do and throw the ball around the yard? Can I tell you what you'll become? The Minnesota Vikings. You become the Vikings. Dalvin Cook averaged 213 carries in his years up in Minnesota. And I'm like this, 213? Did you really utilize that guy? His last four years or five years, whatever it's been, he's been a thousand yard back for you. Did you really maximize that? Or did you not? Or did you want to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson? See, there's not a, maybe the, maybe this comes down to this. There's just not enough balance in these other teams. You lose your balance. Is there another team in the NFL, in your opinion, that has the balance that the Eagles have? Okay. Is there? Hey, hey, Tone, I I know that uh, Kurt Schilling uh, just texted me and he said that uh, have someone send me the link, and I know you did. If you can again. I'm gonna. I, I, I'll send it to him now, saying that we sent it. We'll send. We'll send it again. So, we'll do it again. Hey, I'm not the most technically sound guy. Send it again, Tony. Thank you. Right, you lose your balance. You lose your balance. Yes, we're going to get Kurt Schilling on the program today. We're going to talk a little bit with Kurt and get the former World Series MVP and Philly legend on with us here. We'll get his spin. One of the most unique people that you can listen to in sports. So we will talk to Kurt Schilling. Supposed to be at 530 Eastern. We'll see. We may be getting him on a little bit sooner. So you think the Browns, the Browns, the Browns could be the Eagles. I like that, Greasy, because of Chubb. Chubb and getting the ball around to the receivers. Mark Cooper had 1,000 yards a year ago. That's a great one. The Browns are um, they're a balanced offense. Would we not say this? Buffalo's not a balanced offense. Balance is – that's not a balanced offense. Okay, it's not. It's not a balanced offense. The Raiders, with Jacobs, when Carr was there, pretty balanced, but they didn't win. They didn't win. The I, I I have to think the Eagles are the most balanced football. Hey, get this: the Eagles are the most shit. They were balanced in the Super Bowl, really. They were balanced in that game. I didn't really think that the Chiefs were all that. That's what those quarterbacks take away. So when you say let's have Burrow as the quarterback, okay, in Philadelphia, would you really want Joe? You, of course you would. But you wouldn't be the same dominant team that you would be when we're talking about having a balanced attack Jalen utilizes he utilizes everything on that team. Every single thing. 
You didn't say, I, I, I got it, I got it. But I, I would like to have winning involved with that, though, JM. Okay? I would, I would like to have winning. Raiders O-line is not that hot. Okay? Michael, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't believe that Sam Howell's beaten out Jacoby Brissett yet. How do you beat somebody out in helmets and shorts? Don't you at least have to wait until, like, the season starts? How are you beating anybody out? Jalen's like a golfer. He uses every club in the bag. That's a great analogy, right? Most of us use how many? Driver, five iron, pitching wedge, putter. Okay? That's great. That's that's right. Josh Allen uses a driver and a putter. <laughs> That, that, that's a great analogy. All right, hour number two. Don't forget, Kurt Schilling's going to join us today, too. We're going to talk to the Philadelphia Philly legend. I'm going to look at the 49ers schedule. Somebody asked me to do that yesterday. I think that's a great idea. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. 
The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. This Tyree Kill guy needs a little bit of anger management, doesn't he? Has an accusation out there and video out there of him beating his kid. Now he's beating up workers at a marina. Son, you might want to back up a little bit and understand who you are. Again, entitlement doesn't mean NFL. You got to live in the world like everyone else. Just because you have more money and more prestige because you're an NFL wide receiver with the Dolphins, that is shallow on being a man. You might want to grow up, kid. Now I know why the Chiefs had no problem moving off you. You're a kid. Kids act like that, where they don't think there's any consequences. That's how kids act. You think you can beat anybody up, have, 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 no, have no consequences for your actions, and just think that someone will fix it for you. It's called entitlement. Or you think you're entitled. Dude, being an NFL football player, in my opinion, sometimes is lower than being a guy who's a checkout guy at a McDonald's. You know why? Because at the end of the day, you can work there 30 years, build up a great relationship, advance at McDonald's and do whatever, and people revere you inside your building. Once you stop being an NFL player, you're still an asshole. Being an NFL player, Ask Warren Sapp how that is today, how that helps him. Dude, once you don't play anymore, being an NFL guy, you're an ex-NFL guy. These guys that wear that tag because you were an NFL player and think that holds prestige once you walk into the real world, it's, it, it's an immature mentality. You're just the same as anybody who gets up off their fat ass every day and goes to work. But, you know, when you're playing, you feel entitled. Trust me when I tell you. You think you're Superman. You think nothing can hit you. You got a narcissistic attitude. Dude. (laughs) So you've been accused of beating your kid and beating people up at a marina. (laughs) We're the work duns of the world. We're the Jalen Hurts. Why don't we cover more stories with Hurts? Because guys like Tyree Kill embarrass Jalen Hurts. You know why Jalen Hurts doesn't get covered like a lot of these other guys? Because all the media wants to do is cover the bullshit like Hill. Hill's story is like click, what's that? What you call it? Clickbait stuff? Jalen Hurts helping a kid in the community or Lamar Jackson at a park helping inner city kids. That doesn't move the needle, does it? 
guys are truly heroes and impactful in people's lives. We got to cover some hemorrhoid like that guy. You know, somebody asked me yesterday, you make an opinion of somebody. Yeah, I make an opinion of someone's actions. Guy's an asshole. That's asshole stuff. Beating people up. And, and again, one time you're being accused, hey man, I'm going to go, you know, who knows what the story. Yeah, but once you're being compete. Once you're being in a repetitive situation where you're being accused of physical violence in someone else, that's a you thing, dog. Quan goes like this, but you never met him personally. I don't have to. All I have to do is watch what he does in his actions publicly. No, you're right, Quan. He's not an asshole. Those aren't asshole stories. You're right. You're right, Quan. Probably a great dude. That's why the Chiefs wanted to get his ass out of there. Get this. So you got rid of, you probably got rid of him in Kansas City because of character. Okay? Whatever, dude. Whatever you want to hear. You probably got rid of him in Kansas City because of his character. Wasn't his talent. Wasn't his talent. Okay, hey, hey, right. Oh, hey, hey, Quan. Okay, he's not an asshole. He just asshole. He does asshole things. Thank you, Tone. That's a better way to quantify it. Yeah, he's no, no. He, hey, Quan, he's not an asshole. He just does asshole things. Technically. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Technically. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, I, I, I saw one of my favorite Philadelphia guys posted something. And he was being completely, well, Howard Eskin. And he wrote down and he put out there who he thought were the five top sports people in Philadelphia. I'm going to kind of change this up a little bit for you here. Um, <laughs> and people are such fans they're blind to reality of course they are it's all good it's all good so I'm going to kind of change it up a little bit the big sales top five Philadelphia sports celebrities there's really not a lot to choose from there's really not. Number one, guy who personifies and has the face of Philadelphia on him is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, you know, Cal Ripken, he personified Baltimore. When I think of Baltimore, I think of, I think of Cal Ripken. When you think of the Yankees, who do you think of? First name that comes to mind when you think of the Yankees. Yankees. First guy that comes to mind when you think of the Yankees. Jeter. Boston. Brady. That Russell. 
Bird. Miami. It ain't LeBron, it's D-Wade. Los Angeles. It's Kobe. Denver. It's Elway. Chicago. Is it Butkus? Sayers or Jordan? Gotta be MJ. Gotta be MJ. Miami, man. Miami, Marino or or Wade? That's a good one. I know I, I... Yeah. I like that. I like that topic too. Who said that here? When you think of the Flyers, who's the guy that you think of in Philadelphia when you think Flyers? Is it Lindros? When you think Flyers, who do you think? Flyers. Me, it's Lind... LeClaire? Bobby Clark, you're dating yourself, but you're, you're not wrong. Bernie Perrant? You guys are talking about winners, that's why. Hextall? I like LeClaire. I do, but me, it's Lindros. Sixers. It's Iverson. I'm so hey, get this. It's Allen Iverson, and there's been so many great Sixer players. I don't know why. Maybe it's generational, but when I think of the Philadelphia 76ers, the first name that comes to my mind is Allen Iverson. He it, it, it's just Iverson. I'm sorry. I mean, I know Barkley and Malone and Dr. J and, and Bede. It's it's Iverson, man. It's 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 Iverson. God, I love that dude. Iverson is Philly and he's from Virginia. I know, man. Hey, man, hey, five-star. Man, I love Alan Hey, dude. Alan Iverson is one of my five favorite athletes of all time, man. I just, oh, everything about the dude. Everything. The way he handled himself. The way he crossed over Jordan. All that. Hey, dude. I've never seen anybody embarrass Michael Jordan on a basketball court except Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson is the only – have you ever seen um, – not even the not even the Celtic teams back in the day when he had 63 in that playoff game could embarrass Jordan. Dude, Allen Iverson embarrassed Michael Jordan on a court. Not even Kobe could do it. Dude, he just, he just, just embarrassed him. I mean – Dude, I, I mean, I, I forget where I was. I was with a bunch of guys. We were watching it, man. He crossed them over. I'm, I, we all jumped up. We're like, oh, my God. Dude, he just was – it was like like one of the most iconic moves of all time. Yeah, Tone reminded me, man. He was a rookie, too. He's just like, man. Okay, Philadelphia Philly. When you think of a Philadelphia Philly ball player, who comes to your mind first? Now, I'm biased. I'm Dick Allen. Sorry. I, I, I think of Dick Allen. I, I'm, a, I'm a Dick Allen guy. Jimmy Rollins, man, what a great ball player, dude. Oh, back in the days when the Phillies actually knew how to develop people. Okay. Smoke and Joe, man. 
Mike Schmidt. Dude, Darren Dalton was a dear friend of mine. Born on my birthday, too, Fly. January 3rd. <laughs> Quan goes, Dick Allen, who's dating themselves now? I've showed you the ball. Come on, man. I've showed you the ball before. Dick Allen, come on, man. Okay, Dick Allen's my favorite player, dog. He signed that for me. Terry Francona. Hey, so Terry Francona comes up to me and goes, hey, you want to meet somebody? We, hey, get this. Quan, we were, we were, we were in um, we're Clearwater. And Francona goes, Sills, come over. He goes, who's that? I go, Wampum. <laughs> I was like a kid. I go, Wampum. Holy cow, that's Wampum. And, and, and Francona goes like this. Okay, don't lose your mind over here. Don't lose your mind. I go, oh, my God, it's Wampum. He goes, everyone's looking at me going, who's Wampum? I go, you'll never know unless you know who this guy is. Okay, boom, Wampum. <laughs> you got to actually be from Philly. Not that I am, but you got to actually be from Philly to know what Wampum is. Yeah, man, I love that guy. Dick Allen was a great ball player, dog. So here, here they are. I got Jalen Hurts one. Philadelphia top sports celebrities. I got Jalen Hurts one. I got Jason Kelsey number two. I got Bryce Harper number three. And here's four and five. Nick Sirianni, number four. And I got Howie Roseman, number five. That, to me, those are the guys that if I had to go like that, Joel Embiid is not Philly. He just plays in Philly. He just plays in Philly. Yeah, this is current, Jam. This is current, guys. He just plays in Philly. He, he ain't a Philly guy. He ain't. Look at Philadelphia like that's a place where he's going to retire, like Jaws and shit like that. It's not going to work. Not putting Embiid in there, man. I don't think Embiid is a great personality. No, we're not talking about the best players. We're talking about the top sports personalities. I think there's a difference. I think there's a difference. Kurt Schilling was a personality. Okay, those that was a personality in the building. Darren Dalton was a personality. Okay, Allen Iverson was a personality. Charles Barkley is a personality. Don't that, that that's what I'm talking about here. Barkley's more Philly than Embiid. Barkley lives in Philly during the offseason. Yeah, Charles Barkley has the face of Philadelphia on him. Guys from Alabama, you'd swear he was born in Philly. Okay? Fly goes and beat his head and down the career, McNabb. I'll say this to you, though, Fly. McNabb won. McNabb? McNabb won. His team was one of the top teams in the NFL every year. The 76ers? Try getting out of the first round. That might help. I mean, if one thing about McNabb, if McNabb had a postseason like Dak has, McNabb's had a better career than Dak Prescott. 
Dak Prescott is not near what McNabb had. And I'm not a McNabb fan. You know that. McNabb has had twice the career that Dak Prescott has had. With Dak having twice the fame. Great. Make a lot of money. You go on like Tony Romo, who did shit in his pro career too in the postseason, and make yourself a ton of money because you were a cowboy. Absolutely true. But when people talk about revering quarterbacks in the game, McNabb versus Dak, give me McNabb any day. Give me McNabb every day. I got Sirianni because I think Siri, hey, Sirianni, whatever you say about jumping on the park benches and the T-shirts and the flower and all those, whatever. You say all that, you know, okay, sure, all right. Okay, still a personality. And then you got Howie. Howie Vision. You live in Howie's world, baby. How you doing? My world. This is my house. (laughs) Get off my lawn. Oh, yeah, man. I would have to put it to you this way. As much as I have respect for Dave Dombrowski, he's got a couple championships himself. Howie Roseman's the best general manager in your market in quite some time. I'll make this point to you, too. Howie Roseman might be the greatest general manager Philadelphia sports has ever seen. Has there been a general manager that's had more success in Philadelphia than Howie? I don't know, man. I I really don't know. I love personalities. But see, today in sports, personalities, you know what they can't get to do? You can't really be a personality any longer. You know, I was watching, before I bring Kurt Schilling on, I was watching Kurt the other day, and you know what really sucked? Kurt Schilling couldn't be Kurt Schilling because you know why? He had a worry. Not that he does. Not that he does because he does not apologize for anything. But you know what will happen? They'll take some slings and arrows and take 5% of what he says, turn it into some bullshit narrative that he's this or that or this and that, and then it makes you just do this. Why am I even doing this? I can't even be me, man. And nowadays you can't because you know why? Kurt and I were raised in locker rooms and dugouts. That's a whole different world, man. Everything's off. Everything's, there's nothing off limits. You could say things about your mom, your grandma, this and that. Things that you guys could never understand because you know why? It's sarcasm. And Kurt texts me back. He's like, and, and, and I'm like, yeah, but I got it. Let's bring in Kurt Schilling, the legendary Philadelphia Philly and ball, baseball star. And he joins us here. I don't know, Kurt. Maybe, you know, I, I watched you and I saw immediately on your face when you were on Fox News. You just went, oh. And it wasn't that you were apologizing for what you said, but you just went, okay, man. Well, uh, listen. Children uh, of the world. It's not the the world are going to go nuts. It's not the first time I've just made a real shitty choice of words. I mean, I, I, and I did, but, 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 uh, we live in the time of the edited quote. We live in the time of the, uh, don't give context to the, to the, to the story because that ruins the, the narrative. And, um, you know, 
I, but, but again, like I said, I texted you. Any normal, rational thinking adult knew exactly what I said. <laughs> knew exactly what I meant. Um, but that we're not talking about the left when we talk about rational adults and 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 forward and normal thinking adults. It's because because everything that they do is based on emotion and it's irrational for the most part. You think baseball's in a good place, Kurt? Overall, as 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 a product for the consumers, do you? I don't think know. It's in a good I, place? I mean, it depends on your metrics and what you're basing that that good place on. Uh, I think there, you know, I, it seems to me like I say this every five years. I'm not sure there's been a a, a, a crop of generational talent this good in a long time. Um, there are a lot of players who I'd I'd pay to. I'd pay the ticket price to sit and watch from, you know, from Adley Rushman to Spencer Strider to, you know, um, God, Acuna, all of them. I mean, um, to obviously Mike Trout, but, but I think one thing I know for a fact, and I, I actually had a chance to sit down with Peter Gammons the other day on my show and, and, and we talked for almost an hour and no one's ever seen a Shohei Otani. Oh my God. And baseball's never seen him. Not Babe, he's better than Babe Ruth by far. Babe Ruth didn't pitch and hit at the same time. Uh, he it overlapped a little bit, but there was never a time when he was an everyday player and a pitcher uh, to this degree. And and you know I I've said that that I think Mike Trout will be the best baseball player anyone alive ever sees. I think he might be the best hitter that anybody ever sees. He might be the best combination deep position player hitter but are you okay with the strikeouts though kurt no well they're cheap now they're, they're not worth what they used to be worth um the approach to hitting the, the all the crap that's being taught at younger levels uh, goes against the fundamentals of the game the game the game is about getting on base um you can't swing and miss 100 and you know in 175 at bats and be the best hitter you can be um you know i i you know, I'm always curious about. I can't. I don't know what kind of strikeout totals I can put up now. Uh, they would be higher than what I did. I know that for sure because. Anytime, you think you'd be a 300 strikeout guy year in year out? I, I think I. I well, uh, only because I've forced the innings. Uh, you know, the guys that are 300 strikeout guys are doing it in less innings now, which is amazing. But they're not hanging around for a lot of the game and. Um, you know, I you know what the the de-emphasis on that starting pitcher, uh, I I don't think is good for the game at all because I can remember, you know, there were pitching matchups you lived for, you know, Carlton Gibson, Seaver, Ryan Koufax, uh, you know, and Clemens, Maddox, all of them. And as a pitcher, I lived for those. You know, you had your antagonists and your protagonists, and you don't have that anymore. And now. I don't know that you'll ever have a situation like you had with RJ and I in Arizona in the sense that, you know, you go into a postseason series and, oh, my God, you have to look out for Scherzer and Verlander. Well, you have to you have to compete with them for about 14 innings, uh, maybe, um, because they're not going nine. And, and that it's just a different mindset. And I think in many in many, many ways, it's a far easier time to pitch in the big leagues hmm. from an approach and perspective listen if i had to if i had to prepare to get 18 outs a night my god 
I was preparing to get 27. I was preparing to face the Jeters and the guys at the top lineup four times. So those first at-bats were setting up the second at-bats, which were setting up the third at-bats, which were setting up the potential fourth at-bats. If I only have to worry about a guy two times a night, well, I mean, think about it. If I've got to prepare for Albert Pujols for four at-bats as opposed to two, what's harder? Oh, no, I, I, I get it. What are you making a pitch clock? Uh, I was wrong, uh, very wrong about it. From a, from a, I thought it was going to be a much bigger deal for the hitters, and I think it is, than it was for the pitchers. Um, mainly because good pitchers work fast anyway. Um, but, I mean, proof's in the pudding, right? Games are half hours shorter. Too, I don't know that that means more people are watching them. Uh, maybe more people are watching them longer. Um, but uh, I don't. I, I, it's worked. It's, it's shortened the game time. I don't know if it's had – where it's going to really, I think, have an impact is, is – and I said this. With the pitch clock, you would have had no Kirk Gibson moment. You wouldn't have had Joe Carter's at bat. You wouldn't have had Carlton Fisk's at bat. Because you, if you go back and play those out, you wouldn't have had a Gonzalez versus Mario Navarro bat. Because – Every pitch was more than 20 seconds. That's what made them moments was the drawn out, you know, the drama over the Kirk Pitt, the Kirk Gibson at bat. Those don't have, I mean, you'll still have iconic moments, but there won't be anything like, you know, you can, I can remember the Gibson at bat with Ben Scully and part of the, 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 and, and then Joe Buck uh, uh, had some other ones, but those moments are changing and they're gone. There is no drama and suspense. And I don't know if that's going to be a good thing. Yeah, so again, like you said, late inning heroics with all that. Um, again, too, because I've watched it. It seems like some of the pitchers and some of the Philly pitchers, too, look like they're struggling with it. And I want to get your thoughts on the 2023 Phillies. Um, you know, I say this at the beginning of the year. It looks like they're kind of picking up their stride a little bit now. But, Kirk, can, is there such a thing as just being a one-year wonder where all the things that went right for you last year – all of a sudden, the next year, you're not winning late inning games. Right. Your bullpen's not late being effective. Your starters are not going long enough. You're wearing it out, and you're giving up runners on base, and you're not scoring guys across the dish. Is that kind of a little bit what we're seeing with this version this year? Well, I, I think, you know, obviously they've, they've been hit by the injury bug uh, in, in a multitude of ways, but – 162 games is the ultimate test. They're too talented, uh, top to bottom roster wise. I think to to not give it a go. Um, you know, now with the expanded playoff format, honestly, uh, I, I just want to get in. If I have a couple starters, you have a Wheeler and a Nola. Um, just get in, and 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 so you know, I don't think it to the to the. To the effect of the NHL where, it, you know, the playoffs are a second season. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Um, baseball isn't. And, and when you play, you know, I, I don't know that it's cheap in the playoffs by expanding them. I think it makes it less of a challenge to make it, obviously. Um, but it, the, the defensive argument for that is that more cities have more interest uh, for longer parts of the season, and that's a good thing. It all, I think it also spices up the deadline a lot. Um, although the problem now is we're getting to a, a potential where the salary structures are making everybody immovable. Um uh, except for the rare, the rare player. Um, but I, I, I think the Philly there, let's be clear. They're in a good division. The Marlins are shocking everybody. Um, as are the Orioles and as are the, the, the Reds and as are the Diamondbacks. Um, you know, that's that influx of young talent. I think Corbin Carroll might be one of the five best players in the last 50 years. Uh, and he's, you know, what do you get? $111 million deal. He's got yeah. after having about five at bats. Yeah. Um, but but he's he's living up to the hype uh, and it's a fascinating story anyway but anyway um when you looked at the schedule preseason and you and, and one of the things that i thought was going to benefit the phillies was the the, the the going to a balanced schedule you no longer have the brave 19 times you know you've got the it, before the year it was you got the reds instead of the Braves, which was a good thing turns out now they might have the best player yeah. in baseball uh, in this kid. And, and so the schedule is not what I thought it would be. It's impacting teams differently. Um, you know, I feel sad for the people in Kansas City and Oakland. Um, but for the most part, everybody else is having a decent season. You look at these divisions uh, from the AL East, which, again, my wife placed a futures bet before the season on the Baltimore Orioles to make the playoffs and win the World Series. And she's – going to win a lot of money. Uh, they're really, really good. And I think Adley Rushman is is uh, Joe Maurer with power. Um, Kurt, you know, I covered the Rays for like 12 years when I had my show in Tampa. And I got a chance to know Andrew Silverman and all them, Andrew Friedman and yep. all them guys who, once they bought the team from the Moley and them guys, I got to tell you, man, I, I've, I don't know how a team with a $68 million payroll every single year beats teams with $200 million payrolls in the American league East, like they do. And Joe Madden told me this, and maybe this is part of the problem with the Phillies a little bit, man, they're Durham triple a club. They, they roll out talent and their minor league system has been spectacular every single year since they've had ownership of that team, is that one of the things you think that hurts the Phillies is that their minor uh, league system? Absolutely. 
It's it just it, nowhere now. It, it, well, it, it makes me think that the, the Rays need to move to a, a city like Nashville because they should. It, can you imagine that group of people? It was like Theo going to Boston. Yeah. You know, uh, you give you give a guy like Billy Bean a two hundred million dollar payroll. The, the the Rays are just better at putting a roster together. They're better at drafting. They're better at all of the player development, all those things. In many ways, I look at the Braves like I looked at the Cardinals for 20, 30, 40 years. They they just make baseball players. And it's not that they're creating prospects. It's like when their prospects come up, it's like Wander Franco. They're 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 five star, five tool top 10 in the big leagues and they have multiple kinds of guys like that um i think there's a philosophy that i that that theo mentioned to me a long time ago excuse me that i agree with and that is that when you're hemmed in by payroll generally you draft your hitting and you buy your pitching because it, it pitching is such a hit and miss endeavor that you spend a lot of money on the mark appels of the world and 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 you end up that money ends up going out the window. And Look at so, the Braves. To your yeah, point, the yeah. Braves invest. John Sherrill told me years ago, Kurt, that he invests almost all their draft equity in arms. Yep. Well, there's and there's two philosophies to that, right? There's if you have a play, and I think it speaks to you got to know your people, and that's more than just your players. Know what your strengths are in the minor leagues. If you have a, a what's the Braves do? If you have level after level of outstanding pitching coaching. Then you're and, and you have one organizational wide approach that the day this kid comes in from the draft, he's taught to pitch a certain way. That the same way they teach him to pitch in the big leagues, and, and it's the same way with play, you know teaching these guys the, the Tampa Bay Ray way, is, is, whatever that might be. Um, I, I've always found that stuff to be wildly successful. But the fact of the matter is, the Rays draft better than everybody. They build rosters better, and I think you're seeing with this new uh, game that's being played now you're seeing in the 26 man roster and all the things that go with that. I think you're seeing versatility uh, go through the roof from a value perspective. When you look at Otani and, and his potential five half a billion dollar contract, you're, <laughs> you're paying, you're paying for a $35 million hitter and a $35 million pitcher. And you're getting a deal of 50 million a year. You know, you look at guys like, and I've said it repeatedly like Darton, Dalton Varsho for, for Toronto, um, a guy who can play left field, center field, and catch and do it at a big league level. Not just guy, but you're seeing these young guys come up with immense amounts of versatility because they're realizing the more positions I play, the more value I have, the more value I have, the sooner I get to the big leagues. And with the roster makeup being the way it is, and a, a team like Tampa, what they, they don't sign their stars to extended contracts. No way. They, got, they get them to six years, they deal them, and they go back and they take – they. Those draft picks are much more valuable to the Rays than they are to the Kansas City Royals because the Rays are going to come out with a five-star player where the Royals aren't. And so they, they value things differently. Um, and I think when you look at it, there's, it's always been a constant. Listen, over the last 50 years, the ownership of every one of these teams has changed. But the Yankees have always been winners. The Dodgers have always been winners. It, 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 you know, when you look at a bad team and you look at an organization like the Mets under the Wilpons, um, they were bad for 30, 40 years. And the, the roster turned over every year. The coaches changed every other year. But the only thing that stayed consistent was the ownership. And when you have bad owners, look what the Angelos family did to the Orioles. I mean, he, he ruined a baseball franchise in a city that, that worshipped its team. Um, 
you know, fortunately they're coming back, but, but ownership, it has an immense amount to do with, with longevity and being good and bad. Um, so, you know, you look at Oakland, uh, you know, for that, that should be a big market. I mean, Oakland is now a cesspool. Unfortunately, the city has turned into a nightmare. City officials um, have destroyed the, the, the Golden State Warriors had to move out. The Raiders moved out. Yeah. Now the A's are getting pushed out because California does not want to build them, nor will they build sports franchise a stadium. They're not going to use taxpayer money because you know what? I mean, I got to pay I got to pay eighty dollars for gasoline. But the taxpayer, the taxpayer in California doesn't have any money left. That's right. You know, and, and I say that jokingly, and I kind of half-heartedly laugh at it, but it's true. Gavin Newsom has ruined that state. Ruined and, it, and. and you know, it's sad because, you know, they have a, a they have bogarted uh, the good weather. It's 72 degrees every day in California. <laughs> uh, and, and it's a great place to live, but it's not, um, you know, and, and it's a, you, you're seeing so little come out of California from a from a, you know, walk in the streets of San Francisco. And what a beautiful, unbelievable city it is with the with the trolley cars. No, it's, it's a cesspool. It's turned into a cesspool. That whole place has. And their solution is to bring more illegal immigrants and raise taxes, um, which is that's why you're seeing people exit. The exodus from California is far, far more significant than any state in the country. And for all the right reasons. Absolutely. Kurt, uh, Rob Thompson, are you a fan? Yeah, I, I'm generally never not a fan, uh, except for coaches that make it about themselves. You know, I'm not a big fan of the guys like Bobby Valentine, you know, where Bobby is was a lot of Bobby's career. It was about Bobby um, or, or, you know, guys who think they're bigger than the game or, or who think they can remake the, this head coach here at Tennessee. Um, you know, they've been phenomenal. They failed back to back years with teams that probably should have been in the World Series championship game. But you watch them. And, and I think players are a manifestation of the manager. Um, in many, many cases, much less so in the big leagues now, because the managers are sh are sh are shrinking back from from the on the field impact that they used to have. But but I've never not been a fan of a manager, uh, except for the guys, like I said, who make the the story. You know, the guy who says, you know, the college guy who says, I've never beaten Wake Forest. Well, of course you haven't. You're not a player. You don't beat Wake Forest. Your team does. You know, you hear high school coaches say stuff like that. It's like, it's not, no, you don't beat anybody. You know, you know, if you're going to take the credit when your team, you know, gets its ass kicked and you, you, you have to, you have to, you know, or if you're going to give the players the credit when they win, you got, you can't take the, the take away the credit when they lose. It's the players. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all right with that. And, and, and uh, I think he's got an immensely talented team. Listen, the, 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 they got off to a tough start. Nola and Wheeler were nowhere, you know, I still am on the train that the Zach Wheeler trade to Philadelphia was one of the biggest free agent moves in the last five, eight years. Hmm. Uh, I said it when it happened. Uh, I've been in love with that guy ever since. Uh, his, just an army. He reminds me a little bit of, uh, in many ways, the guy I saw who I thought had the best arm I ever saw was A.J. Burnett. Um, <laughs> but with command of the strike zone. Um, you know, the, the, the only, I think the only thing that's made me. You think that's baseball, what really enticed a, uh, Dombrowski is kind of, he saw the same thing that you saw because okay. Dombrowski was around Burnett, obviously down in Miami when he was down there. So probably that's probably what attracted him. Right. Kurt to that. Well, I think so. I, yeah. I, listen, it's, I know one thing 
better, I think, than anybody alive, and that's pitching. I can watch a guy uh, throw to a hitter, uh, much less an inning, and tell you a lot about what I'm looking at. Um, when I see a guy, and I, I've never, I've, I've been wrong every now and then. I mean, I, I was involved with some big league teams during the draft, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 5, 10, 15 years ago. And I remember my draft report on Chris Sale. Um, I was one of the few guys that was down. I said, listen, this guy, uh, I, you know, he's funky. Everything looks weird. It's kind of Randy Johnson-like and, you know, it's electric stuff. But I think he's going to have a significant issue being, staying healthy. And, you know, he had a Hall of Fame start to his career. And he was, you know, I think they got the value out of him, the team that drafted him. But he's had an, the, the, the situation in Boston has been a nightmare. But I know pitching. And I know when I see guys, you know, when I, uh, uh, Kevin Galsman, uh, I had a chance to run into him and, and when Buck was in Baltimore and meet with him and talk with him and showed him the split and, and, and uh, love the arm. Um, but, you know, the one thing I can't do is, is I don't have a, I can't talk to these guys. So I don't know what their makeup is like. I can, I can tell a lot from, from watching them pitch. I have a problem with any starting pitcher that comes out before the eighth or ninth inning tipping their cap. Uh, because I was taught a different way and I don't blame them. These, listen, when you sign, um, when you sign Jacob DeGrom to a $185 million contract, your goal is to get 30-some starts out of him. You do that however you have to do that. If you have to do that in five-inning chunks, so be it. But, uh, you know, and I I was – I was I listen, Jacob DeGrom was one of my favorite pitchers in the world. I think, I think dominant – when he was dominant, he was every bit as good as Pedro 2000, which I wow. think – Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. He might even have better stuff. He threw a wow. He had he had command of the strike zone, I think, like I did, but he had four wipeout pitches. But I bet before the season, I bet the over under, and I I took the under of twenty starts. I just did not think there was any way physically this kid can do it. His body is not conditioned to hold up, and it's not his fault. I'm I you know I I was devastated to see the second Tommy John because this is a guy that baseball needs on the mound. Um, and I, I know what it feels like to be doing that press conference that you know baseball's not in your future for the next 6, 12, 18 months. God, that must – Kurt, that just must suck. In. Well, think- you know what? To put it in perspective, it's like it's like um, uh, you go to uh, uh, off-season uh, – the, the off-season – mandatory off-season workouts in football, and your number one wide receiver blows his Achilles tendon out in the first walkthrough. Like I can't even fathom what that feels like. And I, and you know, I've had, I had injuries and I was out for periods of time, but I'm, 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 I, I, I got chills just talking about it. I get emotional physically when I see these press conferences because I know what they're feeling. Now I know the other side. I know the other side of coming out being better than I was when I went in, but you're talking about a second Tommy John for a guy that was, I, I think he could have had a Kofaxian career still could, and get to the Hall of Fame on six or seven good years because his numbers would be so far beyond anything anybody Kurt, ever let me, let me let, let me say this to you here, and I think this comes down to the fact that these guys just are not prepared like you guys were. Do you understand, Kurt, that your 200 wins is probably going to be the benchmark now in baseball 
for guys when they retire because nobody's getting to 300 wins. Well, no, no one. I agree. I, well, especially now with the opener, right? Right. Now now with the opener. probably the last 300 game winner yeah. that we'll ever see in right. baseball. So right. that accentuates your numbers even more so that you're a 200 plus. You'll we're, we may never see another 200 win guy again. Right. Well, well, here's the thing. Again, I don't blame the pitchers. They're because it, you know it's like I said. When you draft a kid and you give him seven million dollars, that means nothing if this kid doesn't get to the big leagues. So you protect him, you coddle him, and you get him into a big league uniform as fast as possible. And if I was going to write out Dan, if I was going to write out a process by which you could screw a kid in the worst possible way, it would be that one. Coddle him in the minor leagues. Don't ever let him go past the fifth or sixth inning. Don't ever let him hit 100 pitches. And then here's the problem. You you can't – and I'll, I'll use a football analogy in just a second. You can't ask a pitcher to do something for the first time in the big leagues. You couldn't ask a college football player to go through off-season workouts and have his first helmet pads be opening night in the NFL season. No way. You physically couldn't handle it. And it's the same thing with pitchers and I, with hitters to some degree. If, if I had uh, I had close to – I think I had, uh, I had over 600 innings in the minor leagues. But I was only in the minor leagues, uh, 86, 87, 88, parts of 89 and 90. So, so it was still fast, and I was 23, 24, and the Orioles did it right. They were always about uh, uh, maturation and bringing their pitchers up a certain way. But I had pitched – I had – probably 20 complete games in the minor leagues. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I had a 200 inning season in double a uh, combined. So when I got to the big leagues and I was in the eighth inning with a runner on third in a one run game and one out and a big hitter at the plate, I'd been there before. I pitched in that scenario before. And Johnny Padres is one of the reasons why I don't think, I think it's very hard to be a good pitching coach and teach Game situations, if you haven't ever done it. Padres threw a shutout in Game 7 of the World Series in 1955 against the New York Yankees. One of the greatest uh, efforts ever by a Brooklyn Dodger. One, you know, It was kind of ironic that, that our career paths followed very similar paths. But Johnny can tell me what it's like to, to break out your third pitch in the ninth inning of a game where everything's on the line. And so I had the adrenaline. It, uh, same thing again. In the NFL, when you go from game 16, season's over, to game one of the playoffs, it's a different intensity. Absolutely. You can't – and there's nothing I can say to you that's going to get you ready. I can tell you all I want, but until your fingers are in the dirt and the snap count's being called in a playoff game, you don't understand it. And when when you get that first play and you're sitting on your ass, you're like, okay, this game's a little bit harder and faster today than it was last week because it means more. It's everything. You're playing winner go home football. And and getting I played winner go home baseball in the minor leagues. I I, I can remember, and, and I, I he's still a dear friend of mine. My my second year coach, Dick Verdino in Greensboro, North Carolina. We were in Savannah, Georgia playing, and I had uh, punched out 14 guys through eight innings, and I was winning one to nothing in the game. And at, after the top of the ninth finished. I was at the cor- I hid myself in the corner of the dugout, and as soon as the last out was made, I sprinted to the mound. Never, and, and he's looking for me to take me out of the game. 
And, he, and, and I was like, no. And I punched out the side. It was the most guys ever struck out. I struck out 17. And to this day, it's the story he tells. Like, I, I, he, he tells me, and he says it to me. He goes, I'll never forget. Man, I'm looking for you. I'm going to pull you out of the game. And here you are out with 120 pitches in the ninth inning of a game in, in low A ball. And you strike out the side. I, and I had, I had that. I was, I, I was raised by a man that taught me that. I was raised by old school baseball people that taught me that same thing in football. When you get those line coaches that are third generation NFLers, they teach old school. They teach, yeah, at the bottom of the pile, sure, poke the shit out of his eye. I don't care. <laughs> but, but, and there's. Hey, some- wait, 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 Kurt, don't talk, don't say that because, you know, there's, a, there's some snowflakes around, you know, I don't want, I don't well, want any. Here's the thing, honestly, about the snowflakes, I said this, and I was trying to come up with an analogy. And one of the things that I tell people, especially on my social media, all of the people that come to me with enormous amounts of hate and intolerance and just disgusting, repulsive stuff, all of those people, are not supposed to like me because they stand for everything and every uh, every everything they stand for I hate. I don't hate them. They're not worth the effort. But I hate what they stand for. Kurt, I and said this, man. That's the reason that there's more people in the stands than there are on the field. Well, exactly <laughs> right. And here's the thing. That their disapproval means that I'm living life morally, ethically right. I'm living with honor. I'm living with integrity. Doesn't mean I don't sin. Doesn't mean I don't screw up. As much as I talk, I screw up hourly. But the fact of the matter is, I think God knows I'm trying to do the right thing. I certainly don't always do it, but I'm trying to do the right thing. And at the end of the day, that's why I sleep okay at night. And like I said, if you could see my social media, the the message, it really honestly is inspiring. The amount of, uh, of direct messages I get on social media from people you would that, that are famous, people that you know are saying, hey, listen, I appreciate you speaking up. I can't because if I do, I'm going to get buried. Athletes. Oh, I admire you, dude. I, I I love. I mean, and I know. But I know you get the same thing. I you do. Get the, oh. You get the same people saying thank you for Absolutely. being my voice, and those are by a factor of ten to one, they outweigh the hate. And here's the thing. If what you stand for doesn't cost cost you, then you're not standing for anything. I'm, I, so what did it cost me? I'm, I'm the guy in the middle of, of, of the Weimar Republic in 1936 in Germany saying Nazis are horrible people. No one's going to, you know, they're, ba- they're, they're going to hate my guts. I want those people to hate my guts. I don't align with them on, on anything. And when you look at what this, what this country is, it, what's happening here, it's gut-wrenching. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned the other day, I, and I know we talked about it, but I, I used the word trigger. Somebody's going to proverbial pull the trigger. And my whole point was about Matt Getz and Jim Jordan and all these guys who I see day after day talking on Capitol Hill. And they're saying all the things we want to say, and then they don't do shit. <laughs> and I'm saying, get off your ass and do something. Fix this. It, didn't, hey, Dan, we voted them in because we can't do anything about it. We put you in office so you could. Now shut up and do something. Or get the hell out of the way and somebody that can. Let me, let me, let, let me, two last questions here for you, Kurt. Let me... You know, I, I got to tell you a story, and I don't think I've told you this. I was I was raised in Stanford, Connecticut, and Jackie Robinson, when I was a kid, my dad played golf with him, and Jackie lived in Stanford. Really? And me and Gary Cobb, 
who was a football player who did. I know Gary Cobb. Gary and yeah, Gary, he, was a, he was a radio guy, right? Yeah, he, yeah, we, yeah. We, we were both Stanford guys, and when we were younger. Jackie Robinson would come to Little anyway, and to see what the Dodgers did last Friday. I mean, Kurt, you're 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 you know not to go too psycho on this thing, but hey, look, I don't care what people want to do in their life. No, no, but you're a baseball team. Here's man. the thing, Dan. This is so. First of all. The Dodgers were having a pride night. A Catholic group of fans said, hey, we're offended by these group. People are offensive. They kicked them out. That group, which is a group of very, uh, uh, there's 1.3 billion Catholics in the world. Who do you think there are more of? Catholics or that small trans group of offensive people? Excuse me, no. And here, like you said, and it, this goes to the whole subject. I don't care. I don't either. I don't, here's the thing. The pro, and that's the problem. We don't care as much as they want us to about their problems. I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care who you worship. I don't care what you wear. I don't care about any of those things. Bring it into my school to my kid. I care. You make me, you, you want a set of laws to make me speak, to make you happy? Bullshit. I, I first, second, third, and fourth amendments, read them, figure them out. Because again, the, the government doesn't belong in the bathroom. It doesn't belong in the bedroom and it doesn't belong in the church. The government is here to provide security for its citizens and an infrastructure, which we pay taxes for. All this other bullshit. This is this is the what we're watching right now. Is 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 we're we're heading towards tyranny again. I really believe, honest to God, Dan. And and think about your entire life. Have you ever been able to sit down and say something confidently predictable, prediction-wise? I think we're going to see martial law in this country or in this hemisphere in the next twelve months. Wow. I think there's going to be an event or an incident created by the powers that be that will that will create a situation where martial law, I think COVID was the test run. I think what's happening to Trump, if it doesn't work, and I don't think it's going to work because we now know that it's complete fabrication and like everything else is bullshit. You think when they lock Trump up, that'll be the... I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to. I don't think... I, I think when he gets free of this and he's running, I think it, because if he runs, he wins. I think he wins in a landslide. Um, if, if he runs, I think that they'll find a way to shut everything down. Um, and, or, or God forbid, I honestly, and I hate to say it like this. Now that we know about the stuff with Kennedy and, and in the, in the, in the, that, that there was a, there was a, the CIA, the stuff that they're releasing shows that they were involved in that whole thing. But I think that now that we're reading those, and here's the thing, People that were labeled conspiracy nuts are actually now turned out to be truth tellers. And, and that Robert Kennedy, Robert Kennedy has been really without a doubt. That leads me into this, Kirk. Before I ask about your show, um, have you enjoyed going into the media? And because were were you were you a media accessible guy when you oh, played? Yeah. Do you enjoy doing it now and having a platform like you do on Outkick with Travis and his group there? Did Trey Clavis, Trey, Trey, um, Clay Travis, Clay Travis in his Outkick, which is very, very huge. Do you enjoy it like with now what you're doing? Oh, so, um, a couple things. When I was in high school, I failed every oral report I was ever assigned because I had, <laughs> I, because I had an utter, I was terrified of standing up front and talking to people. Huh. When I got to uh, the big leagues, thankfully, I had a class in the minor leagues 
about media awareness. And I realized that, that the media was part of my job. And so I stood at my locker for 400 some starts, win, lose, or draw, and answered every question from every reporter, even really stupid ones. Um, and I, I was very accessible. I was a quotable guy because, and it wasn't because I wanted to be in the paper. It was because I had passion. If you're going to ask me a question, I'm not going to give you a yes, no answer because life is a lot deeper than yes or no in many ways. And so if you're asking me something like, and so, and by the way, you will never be confused on my opinion. You will never be confused where I stand on the subject. You might not like it. In fact, you probably won't like it in some cases, but that's okay. I, I, I was never a mystery to people. You, a lot of times they would ask questions because they needed me to give them the answer. They knew I was going to give them so they could write the blow up piece. They were going to write about how, what an idiot I am. But, but at the same time here, you know, I recognize as you did, there are members of the media and there are good people and they're not the same thing. There are a lot of really good members of the baseball media, Jason Stark and Tim Kirchin and uh, Ken Rosenthal and, you know, guys who, who were fans before they were writers and they, they were, I, I didn't have a problem with them writing bad stuff about me as long as it was true. When, what I did have a problem with was the liars and the manipulators, the phonies, the Shaughnessy's of the world, George King, uh, uh, you know, just really bad people who, uh, who, who I knew lied. Um, the, the Bob Hyman. Uh, and there's another one in New York. I can't remember his name. Uh, and he's Madden? Terrible. Huh? Madden? No, he's a writer. Um, he's a beat writer for the Yankees. But anyway, I was on the other side of their lives. So I know they lie. And I know they make stuff up. And I know now on this side of it, nine out of the 10 stories that start with a team source or an unnamed player are lies. They're made up because no one's going to call them on it. They're only going to call the story. Oh, my God. The, the next day, it's not going to be a question. Who's, you know, how did you get an unnamed player? Because I know half the guys that use those sources, players don't talk to. Nobody's going to be an unnamed player for this guy. He's an asshole. Wait a minute, Kurt. Are you saying that media guys make stories up and lie? <laughs> and they did it because, well, and I, I, I realized why later in my career, if you think about it, you've got, and it happens in the NFL too, you've got college graduates with PhDs or whatever the hell they have in journalism. They're making 65 grand a year standing in front of a kid from the Dominican who speaks five words of English and he's got $150 million in the bank. The bitterness and the jealousy is real. Oh. And you can, and you can see it. And it's the same thing in the NFL. You feel it. And let me ask you something. It's funny because we talk about this systemic racism. Why in the hell is 86% of the NFL sports media white males when 80% of the athletes in the sport are black? <laughs> uh, well, because well, the maybe it's because maybe it's media. because that systemic racism is pretty much owned by the left. Well, I'll tell you what, Kurt, do me a favor. I'm up against the post here. Tell folks how they can watch your show at Outkick. I so, mean, uh, so many people now are involved with Outkick. Yep. It's a truly yep. great it, platform. So, so uh, folks know. Yep, Outkick was Clay Travis started Outkick, and it really has a kind of a barstool Portnoy roots kind of thing. Self-made Clay is obviously a very conservative guy who 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 found that balance line of talking about politics inside of sports, but still talking about sports. Uh, at, at Outkick, we've got Candace. I mean, there's there, there's tons of people that that are associated with Outkick and and that are conservative voices. Um, and I think Riley Gaines is getting involved now as well. 
But outkick.com is the website. If you go into the website on the right side of the top, you'll see shows. The Kurt Schilling Baseball Show airs every Tuesday and Friday. It is pretty much, for the most part, 100% baseball. Um, I've interviewed uh, I interviewed John Papelbon last week, talked, caught up with him. Uh, Peter Gammons yesterday, which will be aired later on. Um, I've talked to different players. I'm going to talk to John Lester. Excuse me. Uh, hopefully, Roger Clemens pretty soon. Um but baseball stuff, we talk about baseball and I try to give people insight. You know, it's funny because like I broke this. So this, <laughs> this arcade piece of paper, this was my first iteration of my notebook when I played. I still have everything from when I played. So I, I pulled it out and I was explaining to people what my notebook was. This is Andres Galarraga. Uh, and so it's every at bat, every pitch I ever threw him before there was video. I had to do it all by hand. Who's the one on Bonds? Uh, well, the one on Bond has a lot of home runs on it. So, uh, yeah, uh, hey, nine, hey, nine to be exact. Hey, hey, Kurt, I want to I want to leave you with this stat. I found this in 2004. Bonds had 373 at bats, and in 2004, he reached base safely 376 times. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and that's the sad part about it was he was a Hall of Famer. I don't think he does what he does without the PEDs. Okay. But, but he was going to the hall of fame before it. And, and I've said, listen, I, I, unfortunately, I don't vote for the guys that I know cheated. doesn't mean I don't like them. doesn't mean I don't respect them. doesn't mean I, I don't think they were great players. I think Ro I was the last guy. I died on the Clemens Hill. I defended Roger through it all. Yeah. But, but, but let me ask you this though, Kurt, there was not a steroid test back in those days. And may, here's been my contention. Guys took steroids to make more money. Right. They oh, did it because well, – and, and here's what the owners did. Here's what the owners did. Barry said he did it because he was pissed that McGuire and Sosa got all of the media in 98 and 99 when he was doing shit they were never doing. It was about attention for Barry. But, 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 but Kirk, get this. So Roger Clemens, from the time he was 36 with that sweetheart deal where he only had a pitch at home, and Bonds from the time he was 37, both men made $250 million from the time they were 37 to yeah. 43. So you know what they did? They did PEDs and cashed their Hall of Fame ticket in. Yeah, they well, did it for a quarter of a billion dollars. And get this, this is, what, this is my contention, Kurt. Then the owners came in and went, Holy shit, I don't give a shit about the player's health. However, I don't want to pay $50 million for a 500, a 50 home run guy. Right. I'd rather pay $20 million for well, a guy who hits 35. The problem was you had to pay $50 million for a 50 home run hitter, and the, and the league became replete with those. 50 home runs wasn't a big thing anymore. And, and so now everybody's making $50 million. But the, the thing is, the, the, the two most hypocritical people groups on the planet, the owners and the writers, the writers bought in. They knew what was going on. They wrote about they they were you know when you think about Cal Ripken bringing baseball back after the '94 strike, Sosa and McGuire took Ripken and carried it forward. That home run chase captivated everybody, and everybody knew what they were doing. Uh, um, you know, but, you think Tony LaRusso knew what was going oh, on? Oh, you know what? That f him. He's so full of shit. He knew all about that stuff. There's no again. You've been in a locker room. Oh, oh I think you did you too. See, you see everybody naked. When that guy comes in, when I come in ripped and shredded, somebody's going, okay, what the hell? This guy's taking like. Kurt, the year before he was 185 pounds, Conseco. The next year he comes in, he's 238, 
Well, Jose you're telling Canseco, me. Yeah, Jose Canseco would have never had a career if he hadn't cheated. I think that's pretty clear. Um, but but again, I, I the one thing that that I hold dear, uh, never doing it, you know, because people ask me, did, you know, I, I, I don't know what it was like on the football field, but I can't imagine being a guy. Oh, everyone did it. Going against, but I'm saying if I'm a guy that isn't doing it, going against a guy that is, number one, he's recovering faster. And number two, on game 15, he feels a whole lot better mentally than I do. That, and that was the big the thing for me. It was the recovery it. thing that they talked about. But the fact of the matter is, when I die, which might be sooner rather than later, I will die with my legacy. I will die. I, I, I like to think, and I, I told, I've said this before, I said on my show, two things that I told my wife in 1992 that I wanted when I played. She, we were talking about, I just had my first year. I said, I want to win the Roberto Clemente Award. And when I retire, I want everybody that suited up with me to say, if I had my family's life on the line for one game, who would I give the ball to? I wanted Kurt to be Schilling. that guy. But I mean, that's what I wanted out of my career. I'm going to die. I'll have those two things. Let me those tell you, guys, Kurt. You, Let me you tell talk you, man. about 250 million, the legacy, what's it worth? Because they can't buy it and they don't Dude, have it. I have to win one nine game, one nine inning ball game, man. I'm throwing your ass out there. Well, man. you're winning. That's a given. Hey, Kurt, always great catching up with you. I, Folks, please do me a favor. Go to Outkick. Click on the little link where it says shows. Click on Kurt Schilling's baseball show. Obviously, he speaks his mind. Every That's Tuesday, every him. Friday. Dan, I always love catching up with you, bub. And and I, I the Leroy Selman jersey just makes me tingle. Um, Let me tell and- you, Kurt. This guy is the greatest guy I've ever known in my life. And yet he was... According to Mean Joe Green and Bill Belichick, they said he's the greatest 34 defensive end of all time. He was really? unblockable. Really? Unblockable. And and I I wore 93 at the University of Miami because he wore 93 at Oklahoma. Yeah. And just, I mean, he was a lifetime friend, one of the greatest people I've ever met. It's still one of my top five NFL uniforms ever right there. Yep, and I enjoyed playing for the Buccaneers myself. Yeah. Kurt, thank a, you so much, hey, my hey, friend. Dan, take care, buddy. It's always great. You got it. That is the legendary Kurt Schilling. Please do me a favor, guys, and please do me a favor, too. Check out his show at Outkick. I absolutely love talking to Kurt Schilling, man. This guy just – I'll tell you what, man, the conviction he has, that's how he won ball games, and that's how he's winning life. Hey, we all have ups and downs. We do. You know what it is, man? The toughest opponent I've ever played is life. It's not you. It'll never be you. Do me a favor. Hit the like button. We'll reset. I want to get into the 49ers. Do they really have a shot at dethroning the Philadelphia Eagles? We'll do that next. Hit the like button. Keep it here. Power hour up here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. 
but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. It is always interesting listening to Kurt Schilling. So Kurt Schilling was in a World Series with the Phillies, the Red Sox, and the Diamondbacks. And you throw a guy the pill like that to go out and win you a nine-inning ball game. Mm. Man, gone are those days. Who would you rather have on the hill, Scherzer or him? I mean... And you keep him out of the Hall of Fame because of his political beliefs. That's what the media does. Guys with pens and paper and erasers. You should, ha- you should have your vote taken from you. If you have one's religious beliefs, sexuality beliefs, and by the way, I don't give a shit what you believe in, but that shouldn't be held against you. Ty Cobb murdered someone. That wasn't held against him. But someone has a different political belief than you. That is. Who are you to do that? What gave you that empowered privilege to say whether a guy's a Hall of Famer or not when you look at Schilling's accomplishments? You think Mike Mussina is more accomplished than Kurt Schilling? Honest to God, I mean, he's one of the most dominant pitchers in the 90s. He, he was part of that whole crew with Clemens and Johnson. Uh, he, he, Pedro. He was in that conversation with those guys. Every time Kurt Schilling stepped on the hill, he was a guy you went, holy shit, man, you better have your A game. 
Like the Phillies have the Phillies. I mean, he could easily we not agree. Kurt Schilling goes down as one of the top three arms in Philadelphia Eagle history. Roberts, Carlton. I'll tell you what, Roy Halliday, man. He he was he was pretty dominant for the time that he was in in Philly. But Carlton, Roberts, um, Kurt Schilling. Roy Halladay, doesn't he go down? Dude, I'm not hating on you, see, he won 20 games in his final season with the Yankees. I'm not saying that. Okay? This guy in the 90s was one of the most dominant arms. Randy and Chile. Get this, Eagle fan, can you imagine? You got to go back-to-back against the D-backs against Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. Man. <laughs> Okay. Twiz, what's that rip doc mean? Christy Matheson going further back. Okay. Schilling's best years were with the Diamondbacks and Red Sox. Yeah, but he was leaned on more in Philly, I thought. I thought he was leaned on more. Okay. Dude, Roy Holiday. Okay, gotcha. Twist, thank you. Hey, Roy Halliday, man, lived in Orlando, and he had a place when I was doing my sports talk show in Phil in uh, in Florida. Roy Halliday is one of the sweetest guys you'll ever meet in your entire life. Guy lived in Orlando. What a great dude Roy Halliday was, man. What a dominant arm he was with the Blue Jays too. Holy, he pissed. Was he good, man? What a Every single time that I did an event, Roy Halliday would show up. Every time. Lived in Orlando. He'd come over to Tampa or I'd meet him. We'd go play golf um, at the Hyatt course or over at Ritz-Carlton. And we'd go over and play. Dude, what a great, great guy. Just a great dude, man. Unbelievable. And a, and a great player. Dude, mm, unbelievable. All right. I'm going to do something here in this hour here. We're going to look at the 49ers here in a second. Can they – how many people believe the 49ers can dethrone the Eagles as NFC champions? I think they can. Is it likely? And, and, and here, look, here's, here's why I still lean to Philly. Dude, on June 21, you don't have your quarterback situation figured out yet. And until you have that thing situated, you're not beating Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. So get this. Here's what, here's what the 49ers have to do to get themselves in a conversation where they can dethrone them. You're not going to know what your quarterback situation looks like until week eight and whether or not it's made an impact. The Eagles already know. They're, they're two years. The Eagles are two years ahead of your progress in quarterback. The 49ers are behind. They're not behind in roster. They're not behind in coach. But you're behind at the most important position. Has it been an impact? The only reason that the 
San Francisco 49ers battle out for the Super Bowl and battle out for the NFC title every year is because the NFC sucks. The 49ers could never do this in the NF- in the AFC. Why? Because you're not beating those quarter you're not beating those quarterbacks. Here, if Jalen Hurts and the Eagles can't beat Mahomes, you're not beating those guys too. With Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. You're not. You are not beating those teams with those quarterbacks. I don't care how good your roster is. You're not beating them. You're just not. So instead of doing my receiver list, I'm gonna, I want to get to the 49ers here. Because the 49ers have been whining so much. The 40 whiners, actually. These guys have been crying so much. And they believe that the 49ers have a chance to beat the Eagles. Let's take a look at this. And let's see how you match up. With some, and by the way, I'm looking at your roster today on June 21 versus the teams that you're going to play and how I see the matchup and whether or not I think it's a good or bad matchup for you. Okay? So, obviously, things can change. Things will change because of injuries. The 49ers are notorious for injuries. Okay? All right. So they open up with the Steelers. Good pass rush, good secondary in Pittsburgh. The quarterback can't move the chains. The quarterback is not going to be able to move the sticks against the 49er defense. The Steelers are a great opening week game for them. You got an inability at the quarterback. Kenny Pickett is not good. He's okay. You can't be okay and beat San Francisco. You are not beating the 49ers with Kenny Pickett and that defense. Not happening. Not happening. Your offensive line is getting better in Pittsburgh. Post is going to go nuts. You're not beating that team. You're, Pittsburgh is getting better, like I said. Najee Harris can run the ball, but they the two inside tackles plus the edge rushers in line, not a chance. There's not a chance you 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 beat the 49ers in week one. Just not. And it's at Pittsburgh, which gives you three points, still not gonna be enough. You play the Rams in Los Angeles. Sean McVay has a great record against San Francisco. Do you have enough to rush the passer? Yes, you got Donald. But you lose Ramsey in the exchange at corner. Um, Your O-line is not good enough to stop San Francisco's D-line. Who's covering Debo? Who's covering Kittle? Who's covering Christian McCaffrey? Man, I think they destroyed the Rams in week two. Who who are you? Who's co- your defense is terrible in Los Angeles. There is not a chance in hell the Rams win that game. 
Not a chance. Got the Giants at home in Santa Clara. What do they have? You got a tight end that will be covered by Fred Warner and the other guy they have was pretty good. They got a good left tackle, so he'll cover Bozum. The safeties are good, so they'll be able to spy on Daniel Jones. Barkley helps play action. Who are you throwing the ball to? Who are you throwing the ball to? How are you keeping San Francisco at bay with those wide receivers you have? You're not. And it's at home? Not a chance. San Francisco, the the first three games, their talent is two to one. Their talent is two to one here. Cards. I'm not even going to talk about that game. So, the way I look at it, first four games of the year, San Francisco superior at every position. Every position, every grouping. They're, they're going to come out of the gate exceptional here. They got the Cowboys at home in week five. So let's take a look at this one. You got Dak, okay? It's a pretty close game in the divisional game last year. Um, I do believe Dak will be better. Who's running the ball? Tony Pollard? He's a finesse back. Catches back. Uh, football's out of the backfield. Running in between the tackles. You're really going to put a guy who's coming off a leg injury into a game against a team where you're going to try to give him, what, 25 carries? You don't have a running attack. You're more of a finesse team now. You're a finesse team going against a power defense. That's a complete mismatch. I don't see where Dallas... And by the way, the the 49ers have like three great wideouts. The Cowboys have one good one in C.D. Lamb. They have one good one. Galladay's okay. Brandy Cooks is good. But we're talking Kittle, Ayuk. Debo Samuel, McCaffrey. Come on, man. It's stupid. 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 I think they beat the Cowboys. Six, week six. This is going to be a good one here. At the Browns. 49ers at the Browns. Oof. Okay. Miles Garrett, you got to deal with him. They got good corners. They got good backers. And this is going to be a close ball game. You got Nick Chubb. You got third-ranked O-line in the game. You got a quarterback who we don't know yet. I'll tell you what, man. That game right there, I'm still going to – your quarterback is not in the room with Deshaun Watson. I think you lose that game in Cleveland because you're not going to be – dude, they're, they're a good football team. I think Cleveland wins that game against San Francisco. 
Week seven, you got the Vikings in Minneapolis. Let's see. Justin Jefferson. I don't see who covers him. Then again, Minnesota doesn't have a running back now. Who's running the ball there? Kirk Cousins is your quarterback? San Francisco blasts this team. They're not losing that to Minnesota, even on the road. This is a great football game here. Week 8, Bengals and 49ers. Man, what a good football game this is. Burrow is superior than anything San Francisco has in their quarterback room. Automatically gives them the edge. They have as good a wide receivers. San Francisco's better because of the tight end, but you don't have the guy getting them the ball like Cincinnati does. And I think Cincinnati's defense is underrated. I think Cincinnati beats you at your own place. I think Cincinnati wins this game. Week nine, you got to buy. Then you come out of the buy against the Jags in Jacksonville. This is another, I'll tell you what, you got a nice little stretch coming up here. You got the Jags coming out of the buy. Trevor Lawrence. You, you, you got um, Ridley now. You got NTN. You got an improved defense. Another year in the system. Man, Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback. I think that's an L. I think you beat the Bucs. It's at home. Bucks come to Santa Clara week 11. Seahawks. First time you see them, it's in Seattle, 11th man, or 12th man, excuse me. I think Seattle's got a really good roster. Seattle's got the quarterback. Well, I think. But I think you're better. I think you're better than them. I think Geno Smith's a one-year wonder. I do. I think he's a one-year wonder. I... I I think the Niners win this game. Then, December 3rd, you got the Eagles on the road. Your corners versus... Look. With a signal caller. That game is going to come down to last possession. I think the 49er defense did a spectacular job against the Eagle offense when it came to offensive production. And the only reason they put the 31 points up wasn't because they were going on extended drives. It's because, again, at the end of the day, they had short fields to work with because the quarterback was turning the ball over. There was a ton of turnovers. They had no QB play. It's not excuses. It's facts. 263 yards in total offense is all they had. Lowest output of the year. They could keep San Francisco. They could keep the Philadelphia Eagles at bay. They can. They ha- They did. You look at the score and go, that doesn't really tell you the story. There was nobody who had a dominant game in that game. Except for the Eagle defense. 
You had nobody on offense with a dominant game. No one. Zero. Actually, you didn't have anybody the entire playoffs except in the Super Bowl with a dominant game offensively. Nobody. Um, so they can keep them in it, but Hurts, in my opinion, Jalen Hurts is the um he's the he's the trump card in this. Who are you putting in there to go against him to keep the to keep the series going? And how about this? A healthy Brock Purdy versus a healthy Jalen Hurts. Let's just say both guys are healthy. I'm going with Hurts. I'm not going with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy had a nice run. That doesn't necessarily mean because you go on a nice run. Cooper Rush went on a nice run. What's that thing? I, okay, at the end of the day, kid, this is one of Tone's lines. Put your name on the test. This doesn't mean you passed it. Hey, he had a great run. Won a divisional game. Fantastic. He, right. Well, okay. With that roster, you better be good. All right? How do you think the O-line dominated that football game when you only had 260 yards in offense? It was your lowest output. Dominated? I wouldn't call dominated them. They had turnovers. The defense dominated. You didn't dominate anything on offense. That was not an offensive-dominated game when you look at players with numbers or statistically. Third downs... Your first downs were not very good. They did a good job. For not having a quarterback in a billion three and outs, they did a nice job. They, I don't even, I don't, did the 49ers cross the 50-yard line at all? Okay. I think the Eagles win this game. So that's an L. I think the Seahawks. Turn around and get a win because it's a divisional game. Cardinals, you win this one. Shit, man. Week 16, all beat up. You got the Ravens at home. Wow, is that going to be a great game? I'm, I'm going with Lamar in that game. Commanders, you win that one. Then you got the stupid-ass Rams. One, two, three, four, five, six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. All right? Of the 17 games, 12 of those games, you're going to have the upper hand, how I look at it. And that's going to be a result of you being in the conversation for hosting home field. See, you get a lesser schedule than the Eagles do. Why you may win home field and lose to the Eagles still. Because the NFC West is not going to be what the NFC East is. Because they've got Dallas in there. The second best team in the West is Seattle. Seattle may be a 10-win team. But but I don't think they're better than Dallas. Dallas, to me, is, I think, the third best team in the NFC. So you got the one and third best teams in the NFC in one division. That that means something. Okay? But Sills, they played with 10 players. 
Oh, yeah, should I? Hey, I should deduct something because they cry a lot, right? They, they cry a lot. Hey, I think, I think Washington's going to be a handful. I do. I think Washington's going to be a handful. The defense was more physical than the 49ers. Yeah, you knocked the quarterback out. Totally get kudos for that. You made a giant. The, the biggest play in the game was Hassan Reddick destroying Purdy. And 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 that's not an that's not an accident. Well, you know, if he doesn't get hey, well, guess what? Welcome to the NFL and welcome to tackle football. Don't don't you love that? Well, you know, if Purdy didn't get hurt, well, if we were talking tennis or golf or pickleball or something like that, okay, you're right. But welcome to tackle football. People get hurt in tackle football. It's why we call it the war of attrition. Don't you love that? Well, Purdy didn't get hurt. What do you mean if Purdy didn't get hurt? This isn't ping pong. Okay, I mean, you get hurt in a ping pong game, you're like, yeah, you know, the guy got hurt in ping pong. This is tackle football. This is tackle football. Okay, so again, how I look at what they, their schedule, their schedule to me and the teams that they play, the only reason that they're going to be behind in, in certain in certain ball games is because they're going to have the mismatch quarterback. Okay? Okay? No, Quan, someone asked me to do this yesterday, and I said, okay. See, what Niner guy doesn't like is he just doesn't like the fact that they cried all offseason and whined all offseason. Seriously, Niner, I'm going to have somebody at Jacob, you know, because we're going to start getting shirts and hats and stuff. We're going to make sure that we send you a bib. And, and, and it's got, I want my and need my whoopee. Okay? I need a whoopee. It's all right, kid. Guys, whined and cried. <laughs> you know, we haven't been good for 25 years. <laughs> Dan's bringing up the, he's bringing up the same shit again. Oh, really? No, 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 no. No, no. Oh, hey, I'll make sure we get some more new material for you. I'll get a menu out. And you know what I'll call it? I'll, I'll, I'll call, I'll call it. The Hassan menu. Okay? The Hassan menu. You see, what I don't like, though, Niner. Hold on, Niner. What I don't like is that your cook, Kyle Shanahan, he overcooks your quarterbacks. <laughs> okay? Make sure. Oh, no, I'm, I can't go there because I don't want to get in any kind of trouble. Okay? 49er guy. <laughs> when have you been great? Long gone are those days, dog. Here we go. Long gone are those days. Dan's talking about who we're playing again. Here, here. Hey, wait a minute. What's his tone? Here's D. Here, I'm going to put Niner on that list. Debo. Okay, hang on. Hang on. We only play with 10 guys. Kyle, 
I hope we play him later in the year. Kittle, I really would have liked to have seen what we would have done if we would have had our guy. <laughs> the Eagles are overrated. <laughs> and I saw Brandon Graham yesterday, man. He's right. He goes, just let these guys cry, man. It's great watching grown men moan and cry and bitch and make excuses up for losing. And here's Niner. You got to get me some more new material. The New material? All you have to do is cover the Niners. It's new material every day. I really like the way the guy handles pressure. <laughs> He's the starter somewhere else, but not here. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, you know, it's San Francisco. You know, we got a good team, Sills. I know. <laughs> Hang on for a minute. Niner, excuse me for a second. Tone, please excuse me, Tone, for a minute. I'm wiping my 40 winers. Got my 40 winer eyes. I'm getting emotional. (laughs) Look at Niner's talking bad about me. There you had your two seconds of fame, Junior. So, kid, take the rest of the day off. Talking baseball, two hours on a whatever guy. No, no, no. Once again, Niner, you let me handle the content, and you wave your banners, and you wave you wave your red, white, and blue, and your your rainbow flags, and all that other stuff. Okay, you you do all the fanning, and I'll do all the preparing. Okay, you let me worry about it. I got it covered. We're good. You, you'll get your rainbow flag going and your Niner pennants and all that other stuff. And we're ready to rock here. All right. Someone said something. What was it? Philly 500 yesterday said something to me. Yes. Did I say rainbow? I meant red, white, and blue flag. <laughs> Excuse me. I meant red, white, and blue flag. I'm sorry. I, I, I misspoke. Excuse me, I mis I misremembered. <laughs> I mis I, I misremembered, man. I'm sorry. I, I meant red, white, and blue flag, not 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 rainbow flag. I'm I'm sorry. I I I miss I misspoke. Way to get my back, James. Way to get my back tone. <laughs> yes, you know why? Because they liked it too. <laughs> All right. So so yesterday I heard I heard my friend Philly five hundred. Okay, I heard him say something about Devontae Smith. And CBS came out with the top 10 wideouts in the NFL, okay? And I thought I'd put my top 10 in here. I do not have Devontae Smith in here yet, okay? And I debated. I want you to hear them. And tell me if he fits in this top 10 over one player. I got Jalen Waddle at 10. Dolphins. I got C.D. Lamb at 9. He did have 1,300 yards last year. He had a better year. He had a better year than Devontae. 
C.D. Lamb had a better year. He had a better year. Is he a better player? I'll debate that in a minute. Number eight, I got Dumbo Samuel. 49ers. There, 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 there's new content for you there, Niner. Dumbo Samuel hits the big sills list. That's a good point, JM. Lamb's the only option. I got to put Cooper, I got to put the dude Cooper Cup in there, okay? Rams at seven. I got to put another crybaby like Niner in here. Stefan Diggs at six. Bills. I don't know who cries, cries more, Niner or Stefan Diggs. It's a, it's a, hey, it's pretty close, man. I don't know who cries more, Niners? Niner guy or, or Stefan Diggs? I, I, I'm trying, I, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, Niner, you remind me of Stefan Diggs. A lot of crying, a lot of whining. It's all right, man. It's okay, guy. Sills needs a lemon seltzer. Gives me agita. Okay, I can't have it. Okay, I can't have it because it gives me too much agita. Number five, I got A.J. Brown. Eagles, NFC. Four, I got Jamar Chase. Bengals. Three, I got Mr. Personality and Mr. Calm, Tyreek Hill. Dolphins, AFC. I got Devontae Adams, Raiders, too. And I got Justin Jefferson, Philadelphia. Oh, wait, Vikings. Sorry. Number one. Did I do that? I'm sorry. You know, I I think I had a little Tourette's moment there when I said Justin Jefferson. I mean, Vikings. I'm going to try it again. Justin Jefferson, Eagle. I mean, Vikings. (laughs) Vikings. Vikings, Justin Jefferson, Eagle. I did it again. <laughs> yeah. Look, look at Doza. You did it on purpose. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> How dare you think that I would do that on purpose? You think I would do anything like that on purpose? I mean, seriously. Howie Roseman, Vikings. <laughs> or maybe we should do this the number one wide receiver in the nfl is jalen rager vikings is he even on the team dan why are you acting like the eagles have done anything in 57 years one super bowl well i said this hollywood since 2000 that they've dominated the nfc east and they've actually dominated the nfc they have more playoff wins than any team in the NFC. Is that right? Am I, am I right when I say that? Yeah. They got more wins in the last 23 years than any team in the NFC. I don't know. Did I misquote something here? 
Cowboys got four wins. <laughs> Some of the shittiest teams in the history of the league have more wins. Cardinals, Chargers, Bengals, Jets, Falcons, Bucks, Panthers. All have more wins than the Cowboys do in the last 25 years. <laughs> oh, here again, again. A lot of crying. <laughs> Too much crying going on, man. He read. Let's see. Then I didn't know second place trophies were a thing. No, no, no. You, you didn't hear me. They have more wins in the playoffs, plus the Super Bowl, and three NFC championships in the last 23 years. How many teams have more in postseason play in the NFC? The Giants have two Super Bowls. Who else? In the last 23 years, Packers have one Super Bowl. Well, here, that's a good point. The Packers have one Super Bowl in the last 23 years. The Seahawks have one Super Bowl in the last 23 years. 49ers have ungats. None. Shit, the Giants got two. Saints got one. Rams have one. Right, because that title was 99, right? Then they got beat by the Patriots. And then they won with McVay. Shit. You're making it sound like the Eagles haven't done shit in the last 23 years. I didn't know second places didn't mean anything, man. I know. Hey, hey, Zeus, just remember, most people who listen to the show don't really know how to read or write because they don't understand what I'm saying most of the time. But it's all right. That's all right. Hey, hey, James, you don't explain it to people like nine or them guys because they can't hear, man. All they do is whine. Hey, we go, why? Why? Why did you take our quarterback out? Why? <laughs> Why did you draft Trey Lance? <laughs> Why did you draft Solomon Thomas? How you doing? Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. 
But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, got fake a mama. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. about uh, Weiner all day long. I, I, I will say, you know what Weiner all day long has done? He's created... He, he's created a really good rivalry. This is turning into a pretty good rivalry, man. Like, the Cowboy rivalry's built in, right? I mean, it's what it is. You're not going to... The Cowboys will always be the Philadelphia Eagles rival. And, 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 and by the way, I don't think Washington is any longer the rival for the Cowboys. I, I, I think once you took the Redskin name away, you took that rivalry away. Cowboys, Redskins, sorry. I don't feel the same. Do you? Do you actually feel the same, Washington and Dallas, as a rivalry? I think it's like a stupid – I think it's like a non-conference game now. It's just not the same. It, it, it's just totally not the same. Like, here, here, here to me, if, if I were to look at the Eagles and this year, Giants are more of a – the Giants and Cowboys, that's a better rival than Washington and Dallas today. Totally, man. When you took the Washington Redskins name away, you took the entire history of the division with them so that they could be in line with whatever. You completely took that away. 
It's just not the same. When it, hey, Washington Commanders, Commanders, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like an expansion team. Right? When I, when I think of the Washington Commanders, I think of an expansion team. I don't think of the Washington Redskins. I think of them as the as like a new brand new team, like the um, like the Panthers or the Jaguars, <laughs> like an expansion team, dude. The rivalry now for the Eagles is Giants and Cowboys and Niners. As a matter of fact, that's probably how it should be and how it's been that way for twenty five years. Here, here are the rivalries. Here, here are the rivalries now for the Eagles. Ready? Seahawks? Packers? 49ers? Giants? Cowboys? With their four big wins. <laughs> but it's still Cowboys. There, there's your rival right there. There's your rivalry. If you're the Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Packers, Seahawks, Niners. The rest of a big deal. Okay? Quan goes, Niners will never be a rival. Yeah, they will. Look at what, look at a crying going on in here. You guys think you're better than us. We are better than you. We won. <laughs> Eh, it's got to be fair to this whole thing here. The San Francisco 49ers legacy in the Super Bowl area, in the Super Bowl area, is 10 times your right, 10 times your history. You know this. You just don't want to say this. But in the Super Bowl era, the 49er history is superior. I mean, of all the teams in the Super Bowl era um, since 1967, what NFC since 1967 in the Super Bowl era? Who is the number one NFC franchise? Well, the Cowboys. They won. A, they won. They won in seventy-one. They won in seventy-eight. They got five. The 49ers have five. 49ers and Cowboys, they have five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Instead of losing in the first two rounds, they lost Super Bowls. Giants have four, two with Parcells. Two with Coughlin. They got four. Right? Yeah, but the Eagles were so bad in the 70s. Early 70s. Damn. Leonard Toads and all them. Oh, man, he fucked that team up. Then when Vermeil came in, it changed it. And probably from Vermeil on, is 74? Like that, right? From 74 on, they got better. Then they went in the Kotai era. He wasn't all that bad. Then they kind of wobbled a little bit until Jeffrey Lurie took over the team. 
And now they've been the dominant team in the last 23 years. Okay? Hollywood, all good, man. Thank you so much. All right? Thank you. Appreciate that. Man, Quan, he really, hey, guy was betting the franchise. Absolutely. Hey, I wrote this down. I, I, I wrote this down here. Now we'll do that tomorrow. We'll we'll do we'll do that tomorrow. Okay, we'll make sure we do that tomorrow. Um, but I've I've got some. Okay. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll we'll do that. Fly. Thank you so much, man. Cosmo goes like this. Niners were a different team back then. They didn't whine and cry like they do now because they won a lot. Big Seals covered that team, though, back then. Don't worry. The 40 whiners have always been whiners. They just won a lot of games because they had really good coaches and they had a really great owner. Okay? Absolutely. Vermeil had some great stories. Oh, man. Dick, I love Dick Vermeil. I I do. A.J. Brown didn't cry when Juju posted that Valence Day pick. Look at Niner, man. Even Tone. Hey, oh, I didn't tell you. To, hey, Tone, am I allowed to say this with a head shake? Am I, am I allowed to say that you're going to be kind of around like a particular fan? No? Okay. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. Because I don't want the backlash in the, in the, and no, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 we're not doing that. No, no. Okay, hey, I don't blame you, man. Because then you know what they'll start calling tone? Dude, what's up? Really? <laughs> really? Okay. Oh. Because you know Philly guy can never leave. It's like it's like when when seen at a Bronx tale. Now you can't leave. See, once you're in Philly, it's this way. Now you can't leave. Okay, that's why the same hosts are in the chairs. They're just in different rooms sometimes. <laughs> hey, you guys were awesome, man. I want to thank Kurt Schilling for coming aboard. You see, Niner, Big Seals take care of all the content here. You just make sure you get your pom-poms each and every single. I love what he said last week, though, Tone. Hey, I, we were talking about the schedule last week. I love the fact that you're here every day, man. Thank you so much, man. It's a good it's a good thing to know you're here every second of the day. Thank you very much. It's it's quite accomplishment. Um, Big Joe, <laughs> he just sent me a text. I love him, man. Xander, thank you very much. Tone, huh? Okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Tone. It's great to have you back. Till tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern. We'll catch you on the flip side. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.